Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 324 and it is Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. I am your host, Victor Romoyo. And with me, as always, is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. What's happening, everybody? That's right. And joining us live in the Codex Prime Studios, a.k.a. my former apartment, we have two very special guests, uh, returning guests to the show. First, he is the host of the of the popular uh preeminent education podcast in rhode island steambox rhode island uh mr roberto gonzalez i hear the crowd cheering for me man i don't even i heard it too yeah <laughs> and joining us uh returning to the show uh he is also a member of the black nerd book club another local rhode island organization please welcome back sean andrews what up what up that's right. I heard a crowd for you too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're here. Uh, we're gonna be talking. Uh, we're gonna run the gamut of some nerd stuff. Um, you know, you know how we do on this podcast. We have some uh, interesting topics that we'll touch on. Uh, we may or may not touch on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Um, what only one of us here at the table has didn't bother watching it. That being me. Um, but I did read spoilers um, because I am tired of the MCU and I and I and I. I hardly don't care. So, but we have three people that do. So we're going to talk about that if we have the time. But um, I do want to give a quick shout out to our uh, our sponsors, if you will, qu- air quotes, uh, viewers and listeners like yourselves. Uh, thank you all so much for watching and listening to the Codex Prime podcast. Uh, whether it's every week or occasionally, whether you catch us on Facebook Live or on Spotify or what, or your favorite podcasting platform, we really appreciate your support and encouragement and just, you know... Um, just your listenership and viewership. You know, the, the you know we're in the month of May, and this is our eight year anniversary of this podcast, um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 been an incredible ride. So we'll see uh, how long we can keep the Codex train uh, on the tracks, and yeah, man, uh, it's 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 cool. So thank y'all. So yeah, uh, Carl, Roberto, uh, Sean, uh, how's how's life in y'all's world? Um, whoever wants to go first, I mean, same old, same old for the past few months, you know, getting some sleep, but mm-hmm. she's actually good. She, she is good. She does sleep through majority of the night. I met the baby last week. You did. It's a gorgeous baby. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. I thought you jumped the shark, man. I think. That's what happens when a show is starting to get weak, man. They introduce new characters like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? Oliver? Yeah, it's something like Oliver that. came in, cousin Oliver, and they're like, you ain't even got no aunts and uncles, lady. Where your cousin come from? Now all of a sudden, <laughs> Carl walking around with a new baby. Yeah? You jumped the shark, Fonzie. <laughs> hey. <laughs> but yeah, that's my baby. She's beautiful. She look like me. That makes me beautiful. <laughs> You forgot to mention that this episode is sponsored by Malta Goya. I do not um, like that. I cannot drink that. No, you're not supposed to. This is exclusively for Puerto Ricans. Okay. <laughs> Only Puerto Ricans have the fine taste to experience the blended tastes of candy and battery acid together. <laughs> Malta Goya. Um, I'm not even going to dispute that. Candy and battery acid, yeah. Was that about right? Is that what you tasted? Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody's been in the bodega once and been like, you know what? Today's the day. I'm, I'm like, Today <laughs> was the day, wow. and that day did not work. It's not. No, it's never it. I wanna, uh, I wanna, I wanna thank you guys for having me. Oh, of uh, course. Also, uh, it was. 
amazing meeting. I so I'm a I'm a social uh, introvert, right? Like I I do not like meeting. It. So I just met. Uh, I, I met this dude like five minutes ago and I'm immediately impressed and I'm immediately like, yo, can you send me that? Like your work, can you send me your work? Cause I want to, I want to know more about it. It's dope. Uh, and I want to, I want to on your show yeah. apologize to you because mm -hmm. uh, we got this dope new printer uh, in it, with, with Steambox where my students are doing science stuff all the time. Yep. And I, I showed them some design programs. They're making their own uh, t-shirts and stuff like that. Okay. And they made some of their own and they made this really dope codex prime um, image mm. and uh, we put it on a t-shirt and it started to the printer went wild mm. we barely got Carl's off we barely got Carl's off and mm. if you look at it it, it looks it's a little faded and it maybe plays off like it's supposed to look that I way like it. no it's not it's supposed to be bright and vibrant mm. uh, we, we owe you one we definitely owe you one. You came on the show. You're supposed to walk out with that Codex Prime like flyness. We're gonna have to get you next time. So anyway, uh, thank thanks again for having me, and uh, thank you for participating with the youth at Steambox. Absolutely. And we we owe you a T-shirt. Yeah, man. Much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, My world has been pretty much just grinding, hustling uh, on the work side of things, trying to create content when I can. Black Nerd Book Club. We try to get people together on the social side of things. It's a little rough because, you know, people got lives and adulting, you know, zero out of five would not recommend. It's overrated. Uh, <laughs> totally overrated. But um, the dope thing is it's been trying to reconnect with hobbies, interests, comics whenever I can. And Black Nerd Book Club is continuing the Comics to Kids program. We just did a program at Crossroads in Providence, a family shelter. That was awesome. We had a nice group of families, um, you know, ranging in ages, but it was people that were truly grateful. Uh, and we're going to continue that program. The hope is to send about 10 kids to go see um, Across the Spider-Verse next month. Nice. So we're pulling that together right now with the good people at Crossroads. And we're probably going to do another program at the Washington Park Library in the near future. So, yeah, that's what I got going on. And looking forward to chopping it up with you guys. It's been a minute. The last time I was here, I hated the movie we were talking about. Um, <laughs> I just watched it the other day, too. I was, uh, I was not here. Which movie is this? Thor, Thor Love and Thunder. It was so bad. Yeah. Damn. Um, I'm a Taika guy. Mm. Yeah, it was rough. Uh, yeah, it was a... It was flawed. Flawed, but okay. Uh, I will say this That's Thor's, a Thor's a better supporting character than he is a main character I'd say like I'd say like um, Thor I think I think he could, he could be a good main but I think Taika Waititi he was obsessed with like writing a sitcom Mm. And that's not what we got with Love and Thunder, which kind of ended up being like a lesser remix of Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. Okay, like, fair. Yeah, like, you know, well, instead of Jeff Goldblum, we got Russell Crowe. You know, instead of, you know, Hello, we got Christian Bale's uh, gore. And it, it just it just came off as like, what are we doing here, Taika? I love, I love Taika so much that it, it pains me to sit here without a strong defense for that movie. Uh, because yeah. I've I've fallen in love with his work when when it was some indie stuff. I don't know. I know I know you're a, a deep movie buff, but the movie Boy, you got to see Boy. Yeah. And Boy was, that was dope. That was good. Didn't you review that before? Uh, not Boy. I, I reviewed um, Hunt for the Wilder People, and I did mention What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah, those are those are dope movies. He's got a, he's got another couple in there uh, before he before he got the up and up. Anyway, 
Uh, yeah, man, that's dope. I, I wish I had a defensive Taika, and I kind of don't. Mm -hmm. I liked it more than most people, but that's that's not saying much. You know, yeah. I, I've been I've been shaky on the MCU lately too. Um, yeah. I have a host of suggestions that I think that I wish I could just say, please stop doing what you're doing for five minutes and let's just retool this thing. Mm. But I, Guardians gave me a little bit of my faith back. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur gave me a lot of my faith back. And is that a Marvel Studios thing? It is a Marvel Studios thing. It is on Disney+. Plus. The okay. show is the best Marvel animated show since the last Avengers cartoon that they put out. And they have done this character more justice than she's been done in the comics. Really? And and Lawrence Fish, I know Lawrence Fishburne is behind that is, project. Yep, he's a producer. And she comes off as a blurred, right? Like like a, an honest one, not kind of like Miles, who's perfect. Miles is perfect. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying anything about Miles. He's the most perfect character ever. Uh, but love you so much. but I really do, man. I really do. <laughs> but she comes off as that blurred, which is like who that character is supposed to be on that cartoon. So I, I feel you on this. Yeah. I think we have a situation right now where, you know, when I talk to other friends about the comic situation all the time, like, if, because you see the people are like, oh, yeah, manga's killing comics. I'm like, yeah, it's not really true because that's not how the business works. Right. But when you look at what's happening right now, all right, Marvel's making the right moves. They're, and DC, too. They're reprinting all the omnibuses. You can now get these trades pretty much. Penguin is killing it. They're printing everything. Yeah. Now, Marvel, if they're going to have new books, drop a cartoon with it. And just, you're with Disney, just drop an animated series. You have access to every studio, just drop a series to go with it. And that's how we get to this place where American comics are popular. Because I'm a 90s kid. My first interactions with Batman, X-Men, Spider-Man were all on cartoons. Ninja right. Turtles, all of that was the animated series. And then I delved into the comics. And I think that's how we get to that place where the comics are where they should be in the culture. And they're not kind of this niche thing. I mean, I'm also one of those people that believes that most of the manga in stores doesn't sell. Like, I just think it's kind of there for window dressing and people don't actually like it. They like, like, 25 series and... That's where it kind of stays. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah. I actually just read my first manga like recently. And it was just, and it was Deadpool Samurai, which was, I was like, it's a, it was an interesting take. You know, I got a few recommendations for you that I think you might F with. And I would say that manga is different from comics in the way that you can find something for everybody. Like there's a little like there's this new series that just started in Shonen Jump where it starts off really dark. Like it is right before <laughs> they drop the bombs on Nagasaki. Mm. Like right before the Allies drop the bombs on Nagasaki. Some grave of the fireflies. Mm. <laughs> and the kid is just like typical shonen protagonist, very headstrong, and can take a punch. And he basically gets hired by the Yakuza to become a boxer because he can take a hit. And that's how he's going to make money to take care of his ailing sister. And I'm like, this is... Because I, I was like, ooh, World War II, Japan. This might be rough. Yeah. But it pulled me into the story in such a real way because I'm like, I like this character. Yeah. And the tone is dour. 
it's obviously like this is not a great time, but you get something. It's has a certain je ne sais quoi about it. Okay. So I'll I'll definitely send you a list after this. No, do yeah, do it. Okay, nice. It, there's so there's a perspective thing though, right? Like, um, because I'm I'm feeling the vibe, and it's not at this table. I'm feeling the vibe just in culture with people. Obviously, social media, like. Uh, it's easy to come at Marvel right now because they came in so hot off the gates, out the gates, right? Like what they did was historic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like if if you consider these movies sequels after each other, like it, like Marvel movies and then Part One, Part Two. What are they on? Twenty something now, right? Like late uh, late twenty, over thirty. Word. Yeah. Uh, so so we're looking at their body of work, and if we look at their whole body of work, and then now we want to. Can I say shit on it? Yeah. And now, and now we want to shit on it, right? Like, and and because uh, Love and Thunder wasn't it, it. Love and Thunder does not belong up there with Guardians or um, or Winter Soldier, which was right. uh, you know almost a perfect movie to in my opinion. Um, it it wasn't up there, but if we look at and now we're starting to talk about reading, right? But but when we're talking about the books, again perspective. When we're talking about the books, we romanticize them so much. When, when again, this is just a pin. This is like me coming with my opinion. Oh, good. Yeah. I, I read all of it. I read all of it uh, every week. I'm getting all of it. I get all of it every week, and I weed through the shit. And because sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe this is gonna be the one that turns Batman around. You know what I mean? Uh, and and into a book that I find readable, uh, which has probably only been two series uh, since I was in high school for me, mm-hmm. um, for Batman, right? Like. But but still, somehow we romanticize the books, but then shit on the movies when the movies are far more consistent. Because every week, if I'm downloading, if I'm if I'm downloading or purchasing, uh, whether it's physical or digital, thirty copies, uh, 30, 30 separate issues of books. Mm-hmm. How many of them are really worth my time? How many of them are are not? I'm not even talking about good. I'm saying how many of them are okay, and I didn't feel like I just kind of started splashing through pages. Out of thirty, what would your guess be? At best, 10? at best, maybe five. Ten six? is ten is thirty percent, right? Yeah. yeah, ten is ten is thirty percent, but that's yeah. still generous. So I'm saying the way that we look at it, we romanticize the books, which are at F level when we when we're talking about uh, cumulatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we talk about these Marvel movies, which if we're talking about ones that have been at least okay, it's probably all but two of them, right? I know, I know mm-hmm. that we want to shit on Ant Man. Everybody wants to shit on Ant Man. I I rather enjoyed Ant Man, but I know I that too. I know that Ant Man wasn't the good quality movies that I've seen in the past. I know Ant Man wasn't Winter Soldier, and I'm that dude that picks on movies, right? Like I came out of I came out of Guardians, and I like I want to hear what you guys think about this. But I came out of Guardians, and I was like, damn, that was kind of a perfect movie. But because that's what I do, right? Like mm-hmm. I start sniping at where I wish it was but a little nitpicking. bit better. Yeah, and I did. I had some exceptions. I had some, of course, except for Miles Morales into the Spider Verse, the most perfect movie ever. Uh, I, but anyway, I just want to say it's a matter of perspective. I know it's real easy to shit on Marvel right now, but Marvel's worst movie is is better than uh, DC's fourth best movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like aside from you know a, a couple that you can name, and please don't go Christopher Nolan on me. Uh, I think that's your jam, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> But I, I, I yield. I yield. I just want to throw that out there. I do think there's a matter of perspective, and I think if we look at it from a different angle, the movies are doing pretty good, even even now, even even Ant Man. Yeah, maybe but, not Love and Thunder. I but, wanted that yeah, to be better. Yeah. That make, but yeah, that makes that makes me uh, um, uh, 
It makes me think of a question. Um, uh, what do you What do you guys think about the overall state of the Marvel Cinematic Universe now? Like with, you know, Phase Four getting like a somewhat mixed reaction, and then Phase Five, you know, coming off with a rocky start with Quantumania, according to reviews. Quantumania uh, being rated just as low as Eternals at forty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, what do you I think? I forgot about Eternals. <laughs> yeah, Too people did. Many big swings and. Marvel fell victim to what I accused DC of doing for years, which is, okay, we're going to do this big, drawn-out thing. Mm. And what you got the sense of when the MCU was first happening, because none of us knew what the MCU was. We, like, nerds. We know this stuff. We know this shit. Oh, Iron Man movie's coming out? All right, that's what's up. A Hulk movie's coming out? Two? Same year? All right, that's what's up. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a second, they playing outdoor, and then cap, and then it kept going, and it mm-hmm. went, and it went, and it went, and then each time we were pleasantly surprised, like, oh, this is this is really a thing, mm-hmm. and it was like they took a one at a time, one step at a time approach. Then phase four happens, and you have a combination of factors: one, pandemic, mm-hmm. a bunch of people who were passively interested in these things, decided to go full bore into it. They're trying to buy the books. They're trying, they're trying to spec on the collectibles. They're doing all this stuff. And now everybody's an expert. Add in social media where everybody can be an expert on any topic they want, no matter how long they've been engaging with it. Mm-hmm. And then you have this push for all of this content where we have, before we had what? maybe two, three Marvel movies a year. Now we're getting four. Now we have four TV shows to keep up with. And whereas before, it never felt like you needed to... Like, you can put in Winter Soldier today and not feel like you need to watch the first Captain America to know what's going on. Because you get a sense early in the movie. Oh, he's a man out of time, because you know the basics of Captain America. This is, these are American mythology at this point. Yeah. Know the basics. He was frozen... He comes out, he was in Avengers, now he's here. He meets this guy, and now he's fighting against the government because he's uncovered this conspiracy by accident. Oh, and the best friend he thought was dead for 60 years, he's back. So you can watch that without feeling the need. So now people are feeling this pressure to watch all the shows, and then add that to a feeling of like a... uh, it felt like an assembly line at some point. And I think that's what people liked about Guardians 3 is that it didn't feel part of that machine. And I like that they've slowed down on what they're dropping now. Like, mm. yeah, like I don't need... So Ironheart's getting moved to next year. They just announced that today. Um, and they're only doing two shows this year. So Loki and Echo. And I think that's perfect. And they're doing one more movie. Um, the, um, Marvels. the Marvels, and that's like in November. That's November. Yeah, man, this trailer drops, and there's so much hate online for a trailer that gave me so much joy. Yo. What is the problem? I so I know I know. I love about. Intergalactic so much. Too. My favorite. I know the voice song. Me dap the bro. I know we're trying to shit on Marvel right now, but but here comes this here comes this movie that in the trailer 
again, just so much joy. Like every part about it, right? You got uh, you got this. You got the cat. What's his name? Uh, it starts with an F, right? The uh, or his flurkin. The flurkin, um, the flir- the and, and you got Samuel Jackson. You got uh, you got these people switching places, and we got Secret Evasion too. In June. Oh yeah, that's anybody who don't anybody who does not love Kamala Khan has has like deep seated problems. Like like, and if you don't love Kamala Khan, I don't know if I want to hang out with you, right? Like, like <laughs> what, the most likable character in the franchise. She just brings so much joy and 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 freshness, right? She's a breath of fresh air, right? Like, uh, it, but but we can take a look at it. We can take a look at external factors. We could take a look at what kind of demographics they have in that movie and how some people might rebel against it. And because it's so xenophobic to people, and I'm not talking about the alien shit and the flirkins, I'm talking about things that don't look like me, don't look like a man, for starters, yeah. don't don't look like a white man mm-hmm. for seconds. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then we've got, and, and aren't like Christian, right? Like, so, so there's like a template of, of who regular Americans are right now and those regular Americans uh, were real quick to let the internet know how they felt about that Marvel's trailer yeah. and, and I, don't, I don't even know what to say like how 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 you got the Beastie Boys running in the background mm-hmm. you got these three badasses and, and one character just bursting so much joy and if you're gonna take time to shit on that then there's something wrong with you I, I do wanna if, can I run with it just for a second yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'm gonna switch channels just for a second mm-hmm. okay. on the other hand on the other hand, for those same people, if you watch the Blue Beetle trailer and then you want to shit on the Blue Beetle, well, now I'm in the corner laughing, right? Because uh, how are you going to talk about wanting to have representation and putting a Latino in movies, but then when a Latino character says something like, Batman's a fascist, you're going to get all mad. If you're going to get mad at Latino perspective, then don't put Latinos in your fucking movies, right? Like, so, <laughs> so, so, like, I, I know there's a lot of hate. Uh, Unprompted at Marvel's, Blue Beetle poked it a little bit. They poked that hate out, and uh, and I I'm super respectful of that even, right? But like when that trailer dropped, and you hear that in the background, you you back on Beastie Boys, yes, yeah. and like to this day, I heard that song on ninety five point five WBRU in nineteen ninety seven, and I remember every bar of it to this day. First rap song I was ever really a fan of, and then I get to see, because I love Kamala Khan as a character, and then you see them switching places in that fight in that fight scene at the end. I'm like, if you don't like this, just say you don't like women, and let's all move on that's with our I, day. Because that's, that's why you don't like it. That's, exactly, that's what it was. And when you start, when you had to answer your question, the state of the MCU, I think a lot of times too, is like, all right, a lot of fans are very impatient. Okay, they want the end result now. Where if they if you can remember like it took us years just to finally at least get to the first Avengers, and we didn't really even get know like what we was getting into. Remember Phase Two, we probably only saw Thanos what twice. twice. Mm-hmm. And we saw then, a full body once. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So right. my disparate pieces, people ain't having it. If it if it's a show that doesn't seem to connect like mm-hmm. directly. Then people are people are upset about that. Like they, yeah, they, they it's have, like you were talking about you... how people feel like they have to. One of you were talking about how people feel like they have to subscribe, right? Like they they have to watch all of that content. I'm sorry. Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy watching all the content. I that's just me. I love putting these pieces together. I it makes me want to go and read the get the comics, get to learn like this. Oh, like they're bringing this character on. I'm like, all right, let me, 
you know, do, get a, you know, do a little research on them. And then it's also, I just feel like people just really need to just be patient and trust the process. Well, it's also the idea of like, when you see these things come out, and yeah. people are kind of into this whole, like they've programmed them in the wrong way. Because as comic fans, we know that every book ain't for us. And right. I've, I've made a TikTok about this. I'll share it with you fellas afterwards. Mm -hmm. But it's like, yo, if you feel overwhelmed by American comics, it's fairly simple. Read the shit you like. <laughs> like, it's like, if you don't mess with a book, you don't need to read the 13 tie-ins. No. Mm -hmm. Like, someone's like, oh, I was going to read the X-Men. Then I saw all the tie-ins. I was like, read, read House, read Powers, read the main X book that was written by Hickman, and if you that's don't want to touch rest, don't mess with them. <laughs> like, you'll be fine. Huh. They'll catch you up. That's a lot. That's a, it was it's like 13 a books. <laughs> that's a lot. So, and it's very, it's a very political series. <laughs> yo, very political. So, I mean, I think people need to be patient. Yeah. I think we, but I also, you know, I feel like people get so invested in these things that they don't understand that fandom is about joy. And, like, I'm not a huge Blue Beetle fan. Mm -hmm. But that I love that trailer because yeah. I was like, same. when he pulled out the sword, I was like, Okay, I'm in. I, I need nothing else. Yeah, I'm like, all right, well, well I got my money. Because mm -hmm. it looked freaking... Like, that's the reason we all got into it. It's watching people on a screen do dope shit. That's it. You weren't triggered by Batman's a fascist? I don't give a... <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Like, he, a... like, I'll be like, he's clearly an authoritarian. He believes he's the one who can fix it. Like, I'm, I'm... he aligns with fascist principles. Dude, said, you, yo, it's so funny, too, because I'm reading... I'm, I'm currently reading this book called uh, The Superhero's Response. Like, how, like, the comic book in pop culture, like response to it was their response to 9-11 and it was just like it just compared so many different elements to like the war on terrorists and then i just finished the chapter about batman and like the dark knight and saying and it was just using like so many different examples like how um remember in the dark knight where they had the solar the sonar yep. technology where mm -hmm. it was tapping every um mm -hmm. cell phone just like how George Bush used the, uh, I forgot what it was, but it was like the, it was the same type of technology for uh, to like to to catch therapists and I mean terrorists and it's just so many different like so many parallels. I was like, this is kind of interesting. The program is not that and Graham is not that great in this book, but it's pretty interesting. Actually, I think you should I think you would want to check that out if you want to like go back to that dark time. But it's like mm -hmm. the parallels are very very good. I mean. From the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, it it made like certain um, parallels, and um, I kind of forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> Doing that in the books is so dope, right? Like, uh, like Watchmen, like who watches the Watchmen? That's the next mm -hmm. chapter, man. All all of that, right? Uh, and and was it Brian K. Vaughn who adapted that? Uh, Zack Snyder, Snyder film. No, 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 no. The the, uh, the, the follow-up HBO. Yeah, the good one. Oh, it was uh, David Lindelof. <laughs> Lindelof, right? Yeah. Uh, and Lindelof wrote comics, too. So it's, it's dope to like follow these people because if you if you follow their comics, they kind of did it in their comics, too. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn did it um, a, not only with Why the Last Man, where he explored a lot of uh, gender inequity, but especially uh, Pride of Baghdad. So mm. it's one of those low-key books. Uh, a lot of people don't know it. 
but this was uh, right after right after the Gulf War, mm-hmm. and uh, it's about it's about the uh, America attacks, and um, a zoo is left in disarray. So these animals who are who are talking in the comic books because it's comic books, yeah. uh, they escape and now they have their freedom, but at what cost? And as you're following the animals around, mm-hmm. uh, you're following the animals around, having been given their freedom from Americans through the war to like again at what cost? And was it really a good thing that this happened? And it was mm-hmm. just so well written as you're following again lions, not actual human beings. Um, those are the really dope things. If I could touch on one more thing that yeah. you said though. Uh, you were talking about how the pandemic had spinned some of what was going on, and there's like as I'm watching uh, Fa- Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, was that was that the yeah. show was called? It was, uh, I'm watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I'm looking at so they've got these this box of needles, right, which they hardly touch on. They've got this dying leader from the other group, which they hardly touch on. And to me, uh, this show was clearly about a virus, right, that's coming out of Madripoor. Right, so they're already building and connecting dots to Madripoor is famous for like what Marvel group, right? Like you guys are familiar mm-hmm. with this, the X Men. So they're already planting these seeds and connecting these dots. But when the pandemic hits, and out of an Asian country, it seems like you, people are still theorizing about whether or not this is like a biochemical warfare. Mm-hmm. You can't run that story, man. So for them to put out that show. First of all, I think it's amazing and dope that they made something even seemingly intelligible out of this TV show because what I'm watching is something that got cut to pieces because mm-hmm. it was about something completely different. Mm-hmm. And then somehow through uh, editing magic, they made some kind of show out of it, which wasn't great, but it actually wasn't. I didn't think it was that bad yeah. considering like what I believe that show was set out to be. Did, did you notice this? Did you? Yeah. It was very obvious in that show that I was like, this was going to be about something else. And they pivoted and they did an okay job of it. And like, you know, the thing with most of the MCU is like, it is very, you know, military industrial complex, copaganda, like that's there. Yeah. And you open, you acknowledge that. But it's also a thing where I think just for Marvel to kind of continue, for fans to kind of grow with Marvel, right? You have to accept that different kind of stories exist within these realms and let let the film be a medium and not a genre. And the sooner we get to that point in this country where we stop aligning things as like, animation is for children mm-hmm. like that's the kids genre mm-hmm. and superheroes are for nerd like the minute we get to the point where people are like film is the is the medium superheroes are a version of the story are like a setting yeah but the genre might be crime the genre might be adventure the genre might be horror and that's what i think people liked about werewolf by night that's what I think people took from something like Andor, which is, it's Star Wars, it's a Star Wars thing, but it's very much a political thriller. I still gotta finish that. Like, so you get, good. so once we get past that point, people can truly engage with these things in an authentic way and not feel like, I need to put down people who enjoy anime. I need to put down people who enjoy superhero movies. And this isn't below something. It's something that I can just enjoy. 
Like, we don't need to attach prestige to it. It just needs to be what it is. Mm -hmm. And the sooner people get to that point, the less you'll see people just kind of blindly shitting on things that come out. Because a lot of the critiques are lazy. Oh, Marvel finally did something that wasn't woke. And I'm like, what does woke mean? Yeah, <laughs> no. I've seen that dude too. That's, yeah. that's some bullshit. That was yeah, some wait, wait, wait. I missed this one. <laughs> oh, no. The, the running theme is that Guardians was good because it's not woke. And I'm like... Guardians is woke as fuck. fuck. <laughs> that was this one. That was this one piece of shit. And what what really bothers me is when it's another person of color who's like who's like really selling out like a political game just yeah. so that they can build a white audience. We've got people like that right here in Providence who are running mm -hmm. uh, foundations that are meant for people of color and they're gatekeepers for that shit. Uh, and it was this mm -hmm. one dude on Twitter uh, who is, if you go back, he's famously like on all of the conservative viewpoints as he follows comic books and stuff. But that one dude went viral because what you got is your one black friend on Twitter who's calling Marvel uh, who's calling Marvel woke and saying that Marvel has all these problems, but then saying, no, Guardians was good. Guardians wasn't woke. That's why it was good. Um, yeah, I have an special, like, I have a special FU for that guy, right? Like, yeah. And, I, and also, too, like, the word, I mean, they're not slick. Like, the word woke is just a euphemism for anything, anything, like, it has anything to do with black people, people of color. It's just, it's just, it's just a workaround of, 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 like, not saying the N-word or insert racial epithet here. For real. How you gonna talk about? How you gonna act like cancel culture is like uh is like some kind of liberal thing when who's really canceled right? Like ain't nobody really canceled. Gina Gina Carano is probably as close, and that person just lost a role, right? Mm -hmm. Like how many roles is Gina Carano really up for anyway, right? Like nothing. You know who got canceled? Colin Kaepernick, and it wasn't because of liberal people, right? Like how many people really get canceled? So when you're a conservative person and you're looking at wokeism and cancel culture and using these things like they're bad words. Like what are you really talking about? You're really mm -hmm. talking. You're really just trying to paint like a whole a whole people, and that that kind of kills me. Because what about Guardians wasn't woke though, right? Like, it's a story about intergenerational trauma and loss. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like yeah. the whole movie is about dealing with grief, dealing with loss, dealing with your trauma, uh, and then on top of that, there is this whole animal cruelty subplot. <laughs> like, and the authoritarian desires of a man who believes he's God. Like, mm -hmm. like, and this is why I believe a lot of these people who comment on this stuff and go viral got their test papers handed face down when they were in school. Because <laughs> it's like... If those people could read, they'd be very upset. <laughs> Yo, bring this to your mother and bring it back signed. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. so it's... The sooner we kind of... One, we got to tune those people out. Because nobody yeah. really canceled. Like... Canceling someone requires power, i.e. Kaepernick. Yeah. Like, it requires power and resources to be able to shut something down. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm at least grateful for what we're getting right now. I'm loving the... Sh I loved Guardians. I am hopeful for the Marvels. I'm looking forward to Armor Wars. I mean, to uh, Secret Wars. Um, no, what is it? King yeah. Dynasty and no, not, Secret. Not Secret Invasion? Secret Invasion. Invasion, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I got like a bunch of stuff bouncing around up there. But um, also, just want off topic from Marvel in talking about canceling. I don't know how many of y'all do this, but like, 
I collect some toys, and I have young godsons, so I'm always looking for dope stuff for them. Mm-hmm. Don't pin it on your young godson, man. All that shit. <laughs> oh, so, oh, no, I I copped a static figure right. this week. All right, all right. Entertainment Earth got a decent sale going on. but um, So I'm in Target, and I'm looking at the Flash toys. Yo, Ezra face ain't on nothing. It looks like some... So y'all remember, you can go to the dollar store, and they'd have toys, and it would look like a Power Ranger mm-hmm. in a really passive way, mm-hmm. but like the, the back of the power. box, but yeah. the back of the box would be like just brown cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> yep. These toys give off this toy packaging give off the same energy. They really, it's, it's a red box with Yo, the Flash to. logo in the picture to. of the toy. Because if y'all remember. All the old Batman movies, you would see a picture you of the see character. Yeah. You'd see, you'd see, you know, whoever was playing Bruce Wayne on the box. Yeah, you see, not Ezra. Ezra ain't on shit. Yeah, kind of okay with that. He's on shit. Nobody's. It says the Flash, and it's a plain red box. And I was just like, okay, they, they, yeah. they, because he's not doing no press for it. The movie comes out in a month. He's not doing any interviews. They shut this down. So it's, you know, just from a the discussion of canceling, I'm admittedly going to go see the movie because I know Ezra Miller's a piece of shit. We Michael Keaton as Batman, bro. Like, and that's, Michael that's Keaton's it. back. Our Batman's back. I, and that's it. <laughs> am I, am I, I was, that's, that's how that was, like, that's what, that's what sold me. Don't, don't like, hit me with that Christian Bale shit. Do not uh, hit me with that no, Christian Bale shit. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, like, like when you when you look at the Flash trails, and, and I mentioned this before in the podcast, you could tell like with Ezra Miller, like DC is avoiding publicizing them, like because you know, Ezra Miller is a public menace and they need to be stopped. But mm-hmm. but you could tell that DC is like, yeah, we really need to lean hard on this nostalgia bait. So instead of leaning on Ezra Miller, let's let's leave them out of the picture and put Michael Keaton front and center. Please see our movie. We need to make money back on this project. We need to make this money. <laughs> and, and also, so I, I find it, <laughs> and I and I find I find it like really ironic that Michael Keaton is coming back for to reprise his role as Bruce Wayne um, because I'm thinking about his his Oscar winning film Birdman uh, from 2014 he's where, always a flying superhero character yeah that that piece but also more crucially in Birdman Michael Keaton played a, an actor who was trying to get away from yeah. the Superman the superhero character he's known for and he wants to be a serious actor on Broadway so and then like people are questioning him not questioning him about the play but they're questioning about oh you're gonna do Birdman 3 when, when is this gonna happen so fast forward nine years later since that film came out you see Michael Keaton reprise his role as Batman and then he just he just see the the kind of like the defeat in his voice like yeah a batman can you write my can you write my fucking check now and it's like it's like damn it's like this is it's like it's like full circle it's like it's like, it's like seeing his no. birdman character come now. to life in real life <laughs> he wants to be bad and it's like yeah I, I need to yeah i'm above this shit but i really need to cash this check and you know nostalgia sells so give it to me dc man just he's give it to me. He's at that i'm point just saying career, he man. he put that energy out when he played vulture uh, wait, what, what you saying? Oh, the the energy of like I'm above this. No, it's like well, but he, he didn't put the energy like, oh, into the character. Me, yeah. No, he's just like oh, just give me my check. Like yeah, like you know, that, you know, we, we got that f- scene in the car where he's talking to Peter and he reveals that he knows who he's Peter like, is. That shit was wild. That yes, was, that's not a yes. Scene? I, uh, no, no, no. Oh, Michael oh. Keaton's goat. Michael Let Keaton's goat status. 
He's got he's got shitty movies like a movie called Gung Ho, right? Like all of these old school ass movies. I watch all of them anytime because Michael Keaton is so dope. My he's yes. a guy nobody knew. Rob, yeah. uh, Robert Downey Jr. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. He's this like background character in weird science and shit like that. Yeah. So dope. He was so dope in all these movies. But people, yeah. man, he had a weird one. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall was in the lead, and it was a Hail Caesar movie. And it's one of those movies that nobody's seen. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson was in it too in a weird ass role and uh, it's one of those things where you see these people and you're like yo these people are so dope I wish the world knew and would put them in more movies well my yeah. favorite Michael Keaton movie is The Founder yeah uh, McDonald's Founder was very good like, oh yeah it's you know granted I'm a little kind of like what's with all these corporate biopics right now but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I was thinking that too it's like it's become <laughs> a thing but Oh, that's, yeah, a weird, that's a weird. That's uh, a weird pick for like, from. I, I've I've known you twenty minutes now. I've known you twenty <laughs> minutes, and and uh, from from what I've gathered of uh, who you are, but this is complexity that you're showing me right now. If if this person who's reading all these comic books and doing all these other things, and Michael Keaton has that wealth of of a library, and then you're gonna come out with like his McDonald's movie though. <laughs> that was the jam <laughs> because he was such a dick. Yeah, and like he played that role so well, and like so a little bit, you know, professionally. Uh, when I'm not doing nerd stuff, I'm an, I'm a marketer. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. That's how I make my money. I'm fascinated by that world. Yeah. So when you see someone like when you look at what McDonald's has been able to do mm-hmm. over the last seventy years, it is nothing short of fascinating because. One, he robbed them. Yeah, like did. it wasn't. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't like some pack. Like it was a jack. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah. In the scene where he's in the bathroom with uh with one of the brothers, he's like, you know what it was? Your name. It's like croc, croc don't sell. Mm. McDonald's. That's all American. And he just walks out on him, and I'm just like. <laughs> That's fucking like that motherfucker is acting. Right I can there. see this if you, when you're talking about this marketing background, I can see this from your perspective because it wasn't just that, and it wasn't just a, another brilliant uh, Michael Keaton performance. But they showed you the math on what those brothers were doing, mm. and it's like okay, when you see the brilliance behind like these men, uh, and as loath as I am to give poem colored people credit, what they did was genius because they were like, yeah. all right. We gonna arrange this system, do it like a symphony, and they really did this, and this is something that has carried through to today. Like they still operate in that way, and when you see other movies, like I'm, Air is on my list. I'm looking forward to watching that. Air is very um, good. But you get to kind of capture these things, and then also there's, I watch a ton of YouTube documentaries. If you guys have never seen Defunct Land, it's amazing. Um, but when you learn about the relationship that McDonald's has with Disney, like that relationship is damn nice, damn near symbiotic because Walt and Ray Kroc served in the military together. Mm. Mm. Like all of the one white people going white people and two, it's like all of these pieces are connected. You have been trained since birth to buy and consume, and these people have been plotting this since, you know, yeah. early 1900s. Mm-hmm. So it's just fascinating to me. 
um, to kind of see that, to see kind of the genesis of something like that on screen. I, I give you, the math was dope in there. I caught that. I was learning in there and thinking about a lot of that stuff too. But Michael Keaton is GOAT. And let me come back to your Birdman because Birdman was dope. Mm -hmm. But have any of y'all watched um, sunny, sunny in Philadelphia, right? Like it's always Sunny in Philadelphia. Have you guys seen that? I can't cause some episodes here and there. This thing was made on like an $80 budget for the whole like first season, yep. right? It was just a, a bunch of friends uh, trying to be assholes as much as they can be. Yeah. And these assholes with their little camera and their $80 budget out Birdman to Birdman. They have a whole episode where Charlie Day, who uh, was just Luigi in the mm -hmm. Super Mario movie, uh, Charlie Day had a Birdman episode, except he's a janitor, so he's just kind of going through the thing, and it does that like one take mm -hmm. with the jazz in the background, and it came out kind of at the same time as Birdman, mm -hmm. so it was real wild trying to figure out like chicken or egg situation. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, kind of out Birdman, Birdman. I think I'm alone on an island on that one, so I'm going to back off a little bit, but <laughs> I, I just found that interesting. Yeah. And and also, too, like like, like getting back to like uh, criticism, criticisms of the MCU, I'd say like one thing that, and, and earlier earlier in the show, I said that like I didn't bother watching Guardians. I didn't bother watching Quattro Mania, whatever that movie's called. Um, the last the last MCU movie I watched was Wakanda Forever. Um, and you loved Wakanda Forever. I thought it was good, but not great. Um, I thought I thought that there were elements that worked, like the the Namor. Like I'll, I'll give Ryan Coogler credit for making Namor more interesting than he ever was in the comics. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and giving him depth. One hundred. Um, and but um and I also I, those I, silly wings were badass all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. yeah, never in the yeah. comic books, and now all of a sudden they were badass because they yeah. finally figured out that making it look like he was bouncing on air was the way to make him flying make sense. And, <laughs> and yeah. but by doing that, like based on the hummingbird, it's so fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. It was brilliant the way they did that in the backstory, which also uh, rooted in politics, was mm -hmm. so dope. But then they betrayed that at other parts in the movie. Yeah, did, like. Yeah, I, f I felt that too. Where you, you were pitting like these, uh, like basically the Latinos versus the, the Africans, the brown people versus the black people, and then and then you had like the the colonizers, like like France. I, I like the fact that Haiti played a, played a minor role in it, where you had France, yep. like the country that's responsible mm -hmm. for the government who's responsible for keeping Haiti poor and impoverished mm -hmm. to this day. Um, you had them in the background. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I would I would have liked it more if they if. If Ryan Coogler or if, or if the or Kevin Feige and the MCU had more courage to let Ryan Coogler say, okay, why don't we have them? We can have the Wakandans and the Talokans fight, but then they come they come to a realization like, wait a minute, we both we're both vibranium powered you know cultures you know empires. We the, we need to fight the real enemy, and then the balls for like a, a multi million dollar corporation to have them fight colonizers and be explicit about it. France and the U.S. like. In a, in, a, in a perfect world, we probably ha more perfect world, we'd have something like that. But but here it's like Marvel's like Disney Marvel's like we got a total. Line. I was ashamed. I was ashamed, in spite of so many amazing things in that movie. Right, mm -hmm. everything you said about Namor was true, mm -hmm. and the movie really kind of had one goal, which was to process the death of uh, process Chadwick. the death of Chadwick. Right, yeah. and and I and and gr and grieve as a community together. I understand that that's the that's the goal of the movie, but even that kind of doesn't make sense because didn't he just come back from the snap, right? Like, he just came back from the snap. He just died. Did you, are you just now processing his death for the first time? I think, well, they had to, I guess it was just more about, like, how they would do it because they, they actually uh, revealed, like, what was going to be the original, um, the original script if uh, Chadwick hadn't passed mm -hmm. away. But the whole thing was going to be about grief in general. Like, it, the story yeah. was like, and I probably said, I think I said this on uh, Steambox before, but um, 
what it was was uh, T'Challa was gonna be grieving like his loss of time mm-hmm. while he was away. The, but the audience should not have to tune in to the Codex Prime podcast to hear mm-hmm. Carl fill in the plot hole, right? We should, we should, mm-hmm. The movie should have filled in the plot hole and it didn't. And, but that's a plot hole which I can overlook because again, there were so many beautiful things in the movie, but what I can't forgive, I can't forgive making my people look stupid Making my people look ignorant as fuck by saying, oh, yeah, well, I guess I'm going to go fight the black people now. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, when, when these people are causing a problem, I'm going to go fight the black people now. Like, what, the, what is that? What is yeah. that? Like, are we that, are we that simple? Right? Like, is, is this just the hood where we're automatically, like, pinned against each other because that's all we have in the hood within the confines of our, like, socioeconomic class? No, these are people who travel in the world. And while you're at it, you're introducing probably my second favorite character of this century Right, uh, Riri Williams. Yeah, you're introducing Riri Williams, uh, definitely my second favorite character of this century, mm-hmm. and you're having your again. My people are so simple that they're like, well, she's definitely the bad guy, <laughs> in spite of like who's who's doing this, who are the powers that are like making her do this, who else has, you know, um, who who else can access this technology and stuff like that, who else has access to her work? No, we're just gonna go and destroy this like one, it, like why. Why are the brown people so stupid in this movie, man? Fuck that. Mm. And Coogler is brilliant. I love Coogler's work. And, but I'm still, I came in looking at it sideways because just like another recent movie that I saw in Black Panther, uh, the original Black Panther, you've got this character in Killmonger who's relatable. You've got this character in Killmonger that you can get behind. Mm. And you're so far behind him, and the movie's like... All right, but he's got to be a villain, right? Mm-hmm. We can't have the audience behind him. So let's have him kill his girlfriend for no reason. For no, yeah. nothing that's going to propel his character forward other than definitively putting him as this 2D bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I just... Coogler's too good to give me simple shit like that. And Coogler is too good to make my brown people fight your black people when the, when, when it's obvious who the con- common enemy is. And if you think that's stupid of my brown people... How stupid is it of the black people to be like, yeah, we're going to go fight you on water? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is that? What, what, the, and, f- what like, the fuck? The whole plan. What the Technically, fuck was this they movie? were blue. <laughs> what, the fuck, what the fuck was this whole movie, man? What was this whole movie? And, so, uh, so uh, the one thing I think they did right in Wakanda, I think they at least kind of, and I wish they could have gone further with it, was you know very clearly now that the U.S. government has it out for Wakanda. Yeah, and that they're, and that I'm fairly certain that that's what Thunderbolts is going to be about. But I'm also kind of like, so just call it the Super Soldier movie because that's all that's in it. Um, but that's one thing where I was like, okay, they're actually like making the government out to be the assholes here, versus like everything has to be Talokan versus Wakanda, like the other governments of the world are being shown that, you know, very much fuck around, find out. Mm. And, but they didn't go far enough with it. Mm. Like, and that's kind of where I think they dropped the ball. Well, um, but overall, I think that this whole push to jam out as much content and get to this multiverse thing has yeah. been what's really kind of dragged down the quality, in my opinion. But, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say like 
real, real quick too, like um, like like going, like going back to about the villains, like like with with Namor, and then even thinking about the Flag Smashers and Killmonger, it's like where where Marvel runs where Marvel runs this issue where like you have villains that are too reasonable like like their ideas are valid but then but then they have to think well you, you can't root for the villain we gotta we gotta have them do a heel turn do, make them do something completely irredeemable Very 2d wwe yeah mm-hmm. and then so and then but by extension if you go if you go further enough you can look at it from another perspective and say that oh by extension you're saying that these ideas themselves because they're but they're embraced by the villains are too much like asking for like like for the flag smashers having a world without borders that's too much Killmonger wanting black liberation and, and having our you know, black people defend Thank themselves you. that's Thank too you. much Thank you. you know uh, having you know like uh, like Namor wanting to defend his people preserve his culture eh, that's too much that's what like, you're saying to conservative crowds man that's what yeah. the, that's what Kugler is endorsing and we know he's yeah. better than that we, yeah. we know that yeah. we know he's better than that but, but that's what he's saying yeah. Yeah. you're right yeah, and 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 and, 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 and I don't want to, I don't want to say it's like it's so not so much Kugler or like the writers or the or the directors of the film so much as like that Marvel mandate that that Disney Man, corporate machine saying that you know what you missed in Guardians of the Galaxy was uh, Nebula trying to get in the car and Peter said something like just get in the fucking car yeah he did <laughs> he said yeah. he said an F word wow he dropped he dropped an F bomb and it was it was glorious and I loved it uh, <laughs> and and previous to that. Uh, previous to that, it's it's like if a, a tree falls in the woods, does anybody hear it? In back to uh, Winter Soldier and and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, yeah. they introduced Isaiah. Now, yeah, I didn't know where they were going, but I knew they were in his city, and I and I was like, for real, right? Like I'm like I'm like anticipating what's about to happen because I know the comic books. Just mm-hmm. like in Civil War, when uh, when Iron Man says, "I know a guy," right, mm-hmm. and then next thing you know, Dan Queens, like like I. I I freaked the fuck out in theaters. I really mm-hmm. did. Like I was like, my, my I I exploded. Right, uh, two drops of pee pee. Um, and then I'm watching. I'm watching when they show up at Isaiah's house. They show up at Isaiah's house, and Isaiah answers the door. And I'm like, Yo, are they really going here? Are they really going here? And then they gave him so much exposition. He got to sit down and tell his story about how, oh, Steve Rogers is not the first Captain America. You think they? You think that they would just put a trial shit in some white boy? No, your lives are too valuable. Of course they're gonna put it in people of color first to test it out and work out the kinks, right? Like that's Isaiah's story. Isaiah laid out that story. It's a beautiful story. They do dare to go there, but when they do, who gives, who gives a shit? Who, who remembers that scene? I was in tears. I was in tears because that story had already meant so much to me when I read Truth. Truth, yeah. yeah. Truth. When I read Truth. And, and so I'm literally, I'm literally in tears. Like as soon as he opens the door, I'm like, no fucking way. Mm-hmm. And then and he gets to tell the story. So we shouldn't challenge whether or not they will, but the effect that it has because nobody gave a shit. Nobody, mm-hmm. nobody seems to care. It didn't move any needles. Nobody's talking about it, right? Uh, except for uh, once again, if you want the skinny, go to Codex Prime Podcast, and that's where you're going to hear this shit. But like, when they do push that needle that you're talking about, because I, I agreed with everything you said, but when they do push the needle and they do authorize it and they say, you, you know what, go ahead and tell your story. They gave us Kamala Khan's story, yeah. right? They gave us Isaiah's truth. Mm-hmm. Nobody gives a shit. But what's the impact? Yeah, the impact. But what is the impact? And, yeah. But it's also going to take them being willing to kind of, because... I like that they they're doing the special features. These like short kind of specials that they do on Disney Plus. 
And I, it reminds me of kind of like the old school, like they put a short in front of a movie. Yeah. If they did an hour-long Isaiah Bradley special for Disney Plus and just dropped it, didn't tell nobody about mm-hmm. it, and just let the work speak for itself and went as dark as it went in that book, because I didn't read Truth until after I watched Falcon and Winter Soldier. Same. And just like they drop all the Latino shit on Cinco de Mayo, they got to drop your <laughs> shit on Juneteenth. And, and that's they got to drop. They got to pander to your whole. I wouldn't even. Universe. I wouldn't even drop it. Like from Mark, I would drop it. And if you want to have balls, drop it on Fourth of July. Drop it on Fourth of July. <laughs> drop it on Independence Day. Yeah. And be dark as hell because yeah. that book is fucked up. It is mm. minus but, the minus the enemy, minus the art. Oh, the art is incredible. In truth, I, I love that art. I did not. I love. I that felt art. like it was just too cartoony. It wasn't, real, such, it wasn't going for realism, yeah. Not, but if it was realism, then I really would have got it. I love the story, but the art there's just threw me something to. Uh, I don't if y'all remember the uh, the first couple of trailers that came out for Candyman, uh, the Nia DaCosta Candyman. Mm-hmm. That animation that they did, mm-hmm. I, I love stuff like that, and it's very much one of those like from a style like it was very stylized. So I won't go cartoony. I'll say stylized. In the sense that you look at it and it's like, it gives you the sense that these men that have been experimented on against their will mm-hmm. have been mutated into something that should that you should look at and be repulsed by. Because, mm. like, look what they did to these citizens who just thought they were doing their civic duty. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? And then towards the end... Isaiah Bradley, this hulking mass of a human who is a beast, a warrior, and how they reduce him to nothing, make him disappear, and lock him away. That's what I got out of that artwork. It gave a sense of scale that I don't think would have come off right because had they done that same thing in with a more realism-type style, yeah, he would have looked like the fucking Hulk. And I feel like that would have taken away from yeah. that impact of, like, the John Henry of it all. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But put him in Rhode Island. Give him, give him the same ties to that Tuskegee, uh, Tuskegee kind of story um, and, and draw those parallels, right? Because all the other parallels were there. And I know I'm a homer, and I know I've seen uh, Rhode Island on the back of an, enough of those file cards from my old G.I. Joes, but I would have loved to have seen that from Isaiah, too. It makes sense to me that he's a Rhode Islander. That'd be dope. Mm. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. But you mentioned Candyman, and that made me think of this um, this meme I found today. And just just a little sidebar. It says, "The Candyman nest never messed with anybody, as long as they kept their name out of it, kept his name out of their mouth." This true. That's true. <laughs> Candyman telling the truth will still end up. Anybody? Yeah. Knocking the boots, man. That's old school, man. Like. <laughs> um, I'm alone on my island. Somebody, yeah, and I'm so like, I hope I'm, you have I'm drawing an a audience that can uh, that can relate to my Candyman references from the old school hip hop. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, this uh, rhyme, yeah. this time, it's one of a kind. <laughs> Blowing your mind. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I apologize. That's not some Codex Prime shit. That's some Steambox shit. Oh no. Nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, and. And and also to like um, uh, also get rewinding back to uh, uh, one of your other critiques, uh, Sean, about um, how I guess a lot of fans uh, or, or a substantial amount of fans are feeling overwhelmed about like the 
about the multiverse saga, for example. Um, I think that like one of the big biggest critiques I have personally about the MCU now is that with the infinity saga you it, it took its time you had it's over the course of 11 years you had 22 films that led up to the culmination end game which was really effective mm-hmm. great payoff for all of those characters that we had emotional investment in for like 11 years mm-hmm. um but then i think what's hobbling the mcu is that the multiverse saga is still following the same continuity that was established way back in 08. So it's like you, it's like you get the sense that these films are going to go on forever with the same continuity. So like after Wakanda Forever, like when Quantumania was was coming out, I just could not be bothered. Like I I just couldn't be bothered having like the motivation or the interest to even go out, to I'll go out my way and watch it. Same with Guardians and and and, and you know and 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 I feel like with Marvel, I think that they've, I think that they've um, kind of like taken themselves for granted a little by mm-hmm. by banking on, by banking on f- having all of these films and shows that can't stand on their own two feet because they're all interconnected. Um, that's that's number one. Following the same continuity, going all the way back to the first Iron Man, I think that with I think that Marvel could have. I think I think I think the multiverse saga or another saga entirely would be more palatable if they ended things with Endgame, with with the, with those established previously established characters, and then I think I think a more bolder choice would be for the Mar- for Marvel to to like start fresh with a whole other universe. So like you can say like okay, the Infinity Saga is six one six Earth six one six. This new universe will be about the mutants. This is where you can introduce the X-Men. This is where you can introduce Fantastic Four. We're going to build up to either Magneto or Doctor Doom as the big bad. And, you know, we're not going to necessarily have, like, uh, have a multiverse tie-in. But but to have, like, a whole new saga with new characters that has no connection, if you will, to, like, the Infinity Saga. None of the baggage. I think, yeah, I I think that would make it Marvel more fresher for me rather than having all of these phase four shows that are interconnected and you're training viewers to 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 be more plot driven rather than character driven and then you're oh everything everything must connect it it's like you feel like the charlie day meme from it's, it's always sunny and they and went I too just, far with it that's the yeah. thing right they went too far with the interconnectivity because yeah. like i i hate multiverses i just think it's so annoying after a while, cause I'm like, oh, here we go again. There's no, coming through a portal just to show up. <clears throat> Miles right. Morales. Um, and Miles Morales is one example where that worked. Okay. <laughs> that, I'll say there's there's two examples: uh, Into the Spider Verse and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two examples. Where I still haven't seen that. And they and they Bro, did it better than Marvel's doing it now. And I'm yeah. defending Marvel because my answer to you would be like, if you're like, what's the state of the MCU? I'm, my answer is like, what's better? Like what what like continuous series is better. What are you going to point at? Harry Potter? Like, who the fuck are you? Grow up. Like, like <laughs> what's better than where Marvel is right now? Shame on you, Victor, for not seeing Guardians 3, man. You got, like, it's it's not only the conclusion to a dope series. It actually makes 2 make more sense to me because I was a little cold on Guardians 2. Same. But but it was, it was again, uh, I'm, t- I'm telling you that I thought it was damn near perfect. It wasn't, I know you a film study, like, I, I know you're looking for that Criterion Collection, as Carl says sometimes. Uh, and and it might not necessarily be that, but like, but almost also why not, right? Like it was such a dope end to such a dope story, and why are we side eyeing Marvel? We understand that it's convoluted right now. Mm-hmm. We understand that their multiverse was done better in this low budget movie with 
dope ass Michelle Yeoh, another person who's like a goat who was slept on by century. You know, she's getting her due, but she's getting her due. She's getting it now. She's getting it now. She also plays like three separate Marvel characters, which is interesting. Uh, She was not in this Guardians while she was in Guardians too. And what I'm saying is. The state of the MCU, I don't think it's as bad as we're making it out to be. I think we're holding it to the standard that we started at, which was this like A plus event that's going to fill up the theater and that you're going to go and laugh and cry. And I had some of that in Guardians, but I, I definitely don't in all the movies, not Eternals. And if you get a couple of them in a row, right? If you get Eternals and you get oversaturated with the TV shows, even though I thought She Hulk was dope, it looked like shit, but it was dope, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is oversaturated. It is convoluted. You're right about these things. And even still, it's so much better than any of its nearest competitors. Right? Like, what's what's competing with Marvel right now? Obviously, people would point at DC. And you're bugging. <laughs> you're bugging if you're going to hold up anything that DC's done and be like, well, what about Suicide Squad? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> what about Suicide Squad? You want to go see some good James Gunn shit? I invite you, Victor, to go see Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I'll say it when it hits Disney Plus, maybe. I'm not mad at that. That yeah. happens in three weeks now. So <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. But and Gelatinous Man, by the way, and Ant Man, uh there was, gel- there was a gelatinous man. And he's just fucking amazing. They're giving us these beautiful characters in every single movie I go see. Guardians is no exception. Uh I, like I would even compare Eternals, right? One of the worst Marvel movies. I would yeah. even compare that to like I would say that's for me. I know I'm a Marvel fanboy. For me, that's me way better than Justice League. Like, Justice League was shit to me. Justice League was shit to me. Um, Joss Whedon's Justice League? <laughs> well, I, I, unless we want to go with this guy with the tank-driving, uh, machine-gun-shooting fucking Batman uh, and his version of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I would say any version of Justice League because both versions had fucking Aquaman showing up in the sewer like, oh, I heard through the water channels that there was a fight here, so I'm going to... It was 25 minutes slow-mo in, what the fuck? in that movie, man. <laughs> what the rock the I tell you what, Rocky IV, uh, half of the movie, and I literally timed it, half of the movie was, um, when, what do you call like a movie collage? What do you call that? A the, montage. Uh, montage. Montage, right? Yeah. Uh, half of Rocky IV, and it was actually more than half, more than half of Rocky IV was montage, uh, and they did it better than this slow-motion bullshit in Justice League. <laughs> and I would say, so, so you take the movies that are like DC's bestsellers, and it's, uh, Marvel's shit movies are still better than that. We could we could argue about Joker, you know, D- Joker and, and a few exceptions are probably up there. Well, there's also like some storytelling conventions that I feel like Americans are starting used to, where like one thing I would love to see because I'm a big One Piece guy. Like um, One Piece exists in this very large world, and there's all these different factions and all these different things happening. And the main characters don't need to be on screen, on panel, on page every single week for you to know they are still the main character. That's to what he's saying. And yeah. They can, and so you don't need to necessarily go multiverse, but you can off screen them for a while and have other things happening. And like One Piece, you know, 1,090 chapters, I think at this point, it's like... It's a commitment. I thought I thought he was joking, and then I started being like, "Oh no, I actually think it is." <laughs> yeah, That's a real number. It's like a thousand ninety chapters, a thousand twenty five episodes. Like, it's you know, it's there. Zero to ten. How how confident are you in this Netflix adaptation? <sighs> now, that's not even a number, but yo, it's rough, man. If, I think with anyone, I like what they did with the casting. 
but I'm also a lifelong anime fan that knows that much like video games, these stories do not work in live action. They've tried, and no matter how great, like, they've just poured money into this, and the main criticism is that the prime, like, the kid playing Luffy is annoying. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. some of the stuff I've read... It's just like not a lot of hope there. It's just like it's, this is gonna go. Really Japan made it. two out of three amazing Death Note movies uh, to me in two thousand five and two thousand six. Like early on, uh, again for the time, I'm like, yo, these movies are dope. The Japanese ones, and then uh, so then we get like the Netflix one, right? And then they they announce mm-hmm. that uh, Willem Dafoe is gonna be Ryuk, and I'm like, all right. And mm-hmm. then they say Lakeith Stanfield is gonna be L. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, L or light, right? L, right? Yeah. And I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Uh, I, I, at the time, at the time, I was all about it. I was all on board, man, until I watched it. And then I watched. And again, I'm, I'm coming back to representation, right? I'm coming back mm-hmm. to how people of color are seen on screen. And uh, another thing that was a choice was to have L, who nowhere in the comic books, nowhere in the manga, nowhere in the, in the um, anime, have like a weapon. Mm-hmm. To have Lakeith uh, as L in a alley, not only with a gun, but like holding it like sideways, like like you know, yeah. like so weird. what side? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? what is happening? What is happening? Why? Who is doing this? Cowboy Bebop, yeah. another one where it was like, I wanted Bebop. to like it, man. I wanted to like Cowboy. Cowboy, Cowboy was Bebop. such a layup. It didn't. Mm. It didn't do those things wrong that I'm talking about. It didn't commit those sins. It just wasn't like. The thing, the mistake they made with Cowboy Bebop was they went shot for shot with the anime instead of just going. Cowboy Bebop is structured in such a way you can write any number of fucking stories about bounty hunters chasing motherfuckers through space. Any story. It did not. But when I, I was like, oh, they did Asteroid Blues. And I was like, oh, fuck, they did Pierre LeFou. Like, oh, they did Ballad of Fallen Angels. Oh, fuck. This isn't gonna get any Wait, better. So what else? So we got One Piece coming up. What else? What else is being adapted? Um, I don't think there's a lot being adapted right now. Probably, and maybe that's leave shit the, alone. That's for the best. Maybe leave shit alone. Roni Kenshin was dope. The, can I just get another? That were dope. Can I just get another One Punch Man season? Like, I, who? Do, I don't know. Who do I have to send a check to? I don't know. I'm still waiting for an Invincible season. Yo, and, and, oh yeah, that's, but that's they coming. said October. They, they said October, said, and they got two and three done. Yeah, sending out a trailer, putting out this one trailer. That was like, hey, yeah, uh, we're taking a long time making it, and that's what your trailer was about, right? The, them sitting in the in the yeah, it was a teaser. Uh, and if you so if you haven't read the books, Invincible, fucking amazing, it's so good. I read so like the good. first. Uh, I got like the the you know how the image does they do those like one dollar reprints. Mm-hmm. I read that and I'm like, damn, they really like did this, this show really did it like neck and neck. We we were at like a, a it was it was dope. It was dope. They killed it. It was dope. We're at like a, a South by Southwest conference. Uh, I was doing some music stuff and a friend of mine. Uh, and, and what they have is just, it's all of the different worlds, right? Like different media, different professions. Like, mm-hmm. so, so we're there and we don't feel qualified to be mixing it up with the people that we're mixing it up with. Uh, but also they don't either <laughs> with, with us, right? So it was, it was wild. But since I'm a comic nerd, uh, I'm with Sean Chen, 
who was the Iron Man legend, you know what I mean, uh, and a couple of other people, and we went to uh, a pizza place, Giordano's Pizza, uh, and it was the best pizza I had ever had in my life, but I'm wondering if it was because like I'm sitting at this legendary table and everything is perfect. And one dude who was kind of out of sorts, but he was such a dope person, this big burly dude with a beard, uh, and he's like, oh, I'm telling you, man, you gotta read my book, you gotta read my book. He's like a country boy from Kentucky, and he has this book called uh, Battle Pope, I think it was called Battle Pope, mm-hmm. and it's a Pope with a shotgun kind of thing. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look, man, we chilling with you. I like you. I can't, mm-hmm. I'm having a good-ass time. I'm not, I don't want to read your book. <laughs> I don't want to read your book, <laughs> yeah. but I'm having a good time with you. And that dude, he went on to write uh, Walking Dead and then Invincible, and now I'm watching all his work, and I'm like, damn, I should have got some Battle Pope books. <laughs> should have some friends Battle with Pope. this dude. Sounds almost like Velocipastor. <laughs> Ro- Robert Kirkman, man, he's, he's on mm. some good shit. Anyway, Invincible is dope. Yeah. Um, yeah, I copped um, two compendiums for Invincible because mm-hmm. they had a buy one get one image sale at Barnes and Noble. Mm. Clutch. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, so apparently, the day after Christmas, uh, Barnes and Noble has a buy one get one free sale on hardcovers. I've, I'm like, I ain't buying no more okay. manga, no more okay. comics the rest of the year. I'm about to go off. Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's twenty omnibuses right there for yeah. G. Like, mm-hmm. so thought like, I thought I put the like homies onto that. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like Vic. Sounds like Vic in July. Oh shit, it's coming oh, yeah. up. Criterion, like, Criterion sale, Barnes and Noble, July, July and November <laughs> and November. Yeah. How's my man Regan doing? Regan's chilling. You out? You so Carl's out there doing some shit. Carl, I just saw another poster, right? So you got something coming up at uh, what's the what's the bar, the beer garden, uh, where you're doing so you, a revival? Revival, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, we're gonna be doing a uh, podcast uh, meetup. With, uh, shout outs to Chris Revel. He's here and uh, Nathan PV. They organize that, and Vic and I are gonna be special guests there. Um, Know what <laughs> that did I, entails? Did I not then see another flyer for you doing something else that was big time? And you just did this. Uh, you just did this this thing for Free Comic Book Day uh, with, with my dealer uh, Regan <laughs> Hurst over at Rococo's. Yeah, uh, that was a good time. Yeah, it was. It was. Sean came yeah, through. Yeah, Sean came through. I was just we just playing, shooting the shit, and you know a lot of people came through. A lot of people came through. David Morales jumping everywhere. As Spider, as uh, you know, dressed up as Spider Man, and another uh, state representative came out uh, dressed up as uh, T'Challa. It was a beautiful day out. So, like, it was, it was like the perfect day. Good vibes. Like good that. vibes. Yeah. Like, oh, the Spider Man um, video game book that came out on Free Comic Book Day. Yeah. There's a new character in that, and the book is going for bread on eBay. So my guy up at Laughing Shield in Attleboro. Um, he was like, yeah, did you grab one of those Spider-Man books? I was like, of course I did. He's like, people are selling that for 50 bucks on eBay. Maybe because there's a new character people think are is going to be important in the new game. Okay. So I was like, no. Okay. Noted. <laughs> bet. <laughs> As a collector, bet. <laughs> can, I, can I vent? If you, if you transitioned even lightly to video games, can I vent? Man, let's just go to video yeah, games. Go. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. So I, I really enjoyed uh, what's probably known as a bad game, what people aren't loving. Uh, I, I loved Dead Island 2. It was a good experience for me. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a really bad experience with one of the chaperones in Japan. And uh, I just had so I was pent up, angry, 
all that shit. So when I got back and I'm tired and I got jet lag, uh, to have that brand new game and to just whack zombies in the head felt so good. But what mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to is a Star Wars nerd, right? Rebel, right? Mm -hmm. As a Star Wars nerd, I'm really looking forward to the to the sequel, right? I'm looking forward to Jedi Survivor, right? Mm -hmm. Jedi Survivor Go comes ahead. out. I beat it. Man, wow. I'm not there. But I'm having a hard time being motivated to get there because this motherfucker will fly to a planet and he will land six miles out of the city and then for some reason you have to you have to do hardcore parkour to maneuver around even in a building where there's stairs and shit like all the stairs are gonna be broken and you're gonna have to find something to like jump up on and do a double jump and a backflip and it's basically Tomb Raider but Tomb Raider makes it Tomb Raider's in the jungle that shit makes sense well why don't you fly your fucking ship to where you gotta go first of all right? I love the office reference but hardcore parkour <laughs> and, and so there's already not an excuse why you can't fly that small ass ship to to some of the destinations that he has to go to. But additionally, and maybe you like, maybe you, I I do not I got enjoy my on the game. <laughs> I do not enjoy uh, platforming, right? Like I don't like I love story driven games and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But unless you're Mario, right? Like I like I want to I want to get into the story. I don't want to have to jump on a thing perfectly accurate and do a, a backflip, double jump, triple Lindy. So. Um, not only does he have that ship, which he could bring anywhere, but all right, so you, you run into a problem and you just can't get up that high because there's at least 20 times in the first 20 minutes that I played this game that I'm looking around like, how the fuck am I supposed to get? You have your boy. Your boy is on the ship. And guess what he has? This motherfucker got a jetpack. He's got a fucking <laughs> jetpack. And he's just sitting in the ship playing fucking Game Boy or something. Who knows what he's doing while I'm trying to like traverse and and mantle objects and fucking tame a, a brontosaurus so I could run up its neck and jump onto a fucking thing. What is this? The game, first of all, the game was not long enough for me. There are not enough planets for a sequel to a game that was as good as Fallen Order. That's why they did it. Like, I'm clear on that. I'm clear that the game was probably a two-hour game, so they threw in 20 hours of fucking jumping over. Wow. But the combat in the game and is and, the, and the story's and dope. The story's dope. Okay. So it's I love the Star Wars that is getting away from the Skywalkers. Stay, okay. Like yeah. you know, there is a Darth Vader thing in the game. It's a dope twist the way that they do it. Um I'm not gonna spoil it for you. I haven't totally I have it. not come up to Vader yet. He was in the first game, right? He's at he's towards the end of the game. It, but in the first one, in the first one, he's first one. so here's how they use them. If if you haven't seen it, he's like he he's how he should be, and here's how I think uh, Ghost Rider should also be written in Marvel Comics. These are like horror characters. Yeah. Uh, Darth Vader in the first game was portrayed perfectly because when he's on screen, you're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, and you want to just get the fuck away. You don't want to fight him and be like, what's a good strategy? You want to get the fuck out of there. Run. He's scary. <laughs> it's like seeing Jason Voorhees, uh, and that's how I think he should be used. It sounds like they probably kept that. That up. They kept that energy. Um, you do fight him, mm -hmm. but and I'm not gonna spoil how they handle it. But it was handled really well. Do you like Cal better or Star Killer? So I think Cal is a much better written character. He's much more nuanced than yep. Star Killer. I think that the writing is the way he interplays with the other characters is much stronger, and the choices that they're making to kind of I like this era we're in where we're interrogating the like the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Where it's like the Jedi were good, but they were 
deeply flawed yeah. as like basically these religious extremists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe had this child who you took from his mother who was a slave and said, we're going to make your life better. And took him from the only person he loved. Maybe letting him have a girlfriend wouldn't have been a bad idea. But these games are interrogating the mm-hmm. like what the Jedi were. Dope. And mm-hmm. I love that about it. Do I think that the game is too short? Yes. Do I think that the game needed ten more worlds? Yes. Because there's one world on that game where you keep going back to that motherfucker. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is some bullshit. Because <laughs> um, for $70, I'm like, I, I say it all the time, this was good. So it's the Star Wars Miles Morales. Pretty much. Mm. And it shouldn't Don't have taken... Keep Miles' name out your fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Don't turn me into... No, I, trust me. I love that game. And yeah. You give me a reason to play it, I will play it. Spider-Man 2 is going to be a far better game. Man, yeah. listen. But, but right now on my docket, Street Fighter 6. Yep. Final Fantasy 16, which I am flipping that collector's edition on eBay for $750. In line with the other people who are flipping it. Do it. Because I'm like... That makes sense. I, yeah. I don't need this statue. The Street Fighter game comes with two statues, and it comes with the uh, the new black character, Kimberly. Who, How do you do it, man? I can't do physical media anymore. I, I just don't have room. I, I, <laughs> it's something that... So certain game premiums I love. Like the yep. first collector's edition I ever bought was Ghost of Tsushima. Yep. And they had the samurai mask. And the banner, ah, and that movie. is that's what's in my. I know office. that's your jam. I, that, I that's you another game. Tony Musha recently. I know that's just right up your alley. Oh, that game! I'm, I miss those games so much. Did you yeah. do Victor? Did you do Unleashed? Uh, Force Unleashed. Yeah, I did. I played the first one. Do you remember that moment where I think it was it was in the first one where the uh, the Star Destroyer is coming down? Yeah, and this motherfucker catches the Star Destroyer yep. using Stops the it. Force. Like, do you mm-hmm. remember that feeling? That feeling yeah. was dope. That feeling was dope. They're doing some cool things. They're doing some cool things in the game. My next toy, uh, and I've got a Steam Deck, and I'm so picky because when I put things on, because it has a a Linux operating system, even though Mm -hmm. it's using Steam, so you kind of got to hack stuff on there. I'm bootlegging stuff anyway. Make sure you don't put that on the air. Uh, (laughs) But, but, you know, I I will get things. I'll put the emulators on and all that stuff. Uh, But you got to hack everything because it's on Linux. So uh, they just announced the Asus Ally, and even though my Steam Deck's not even a year old yet, and I already pre-ordered this Asus Ally, it's basically Steam Deck-like, but it's Windows, and it's made by Asus, right? And it's already more powerful. Battery looks like it's gonna suck. It looks like you just gotta, mm-hmm. you know, charge it at least every hour if you're playing high-performing games. But that's that's my next toy. But I'm not. No more physical media, man. Your box for Final Fantasy is bigger than the one thing that I'm gonna have all those games on. You know what I mean? It's also like. So there's the reason I've kind of started to shift back towards uh, physical media is I do have some games that I've just downloaded just because I'm like, I don't feel like waiting for this shit, so I'm just going to download shit. I don't feel like going to GameStop. I'm just going to download it. Mm-hmm. But Street Fighter, it was like the premiums that were coming in the box were just too dope. And there's something to be said about physical media and quality. Mm-hmm. And like the quality of, like I, I want to start buying Blu-rays again. Not a ton of them, but like, certain picks that I love like maybe my my like uh, around my birthday I did the 35 movies for each year of my life I want to kind of get that collection in Blu-ray and just have that because there's something to be said about the quality of physical media and 
what happened with HBO Max really kind of like made me look at streaming in a very different light yeah. because we all always knew streaming it can give it and it can take it mm-hmm. away. Yeah. yeah, it does. But when it when it took away so many great things for no clear reason, mm-hmm. it was like it wasn't because these things weren't loved. It wasn't because they weren't being watched. It was because it was an arbitrary decision by some corporate accountant mm-hmm. that this is something that needs to go. And I'm just like, I'm going to start buying some stuff again just to have it. Because on the off chance I want to watch Seven and they decide they don't want to put it on a streaming service anymore, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite movies. Morbid, I get it, but I want to be able to watch that and show that to people. What's in the box? I'm just What's saying the box? Yeah, What's in the box? <laughs> Bro. Have you heard the movies he's reviewed? <laughs> Victor and Carl. Uh, when you guys reach out for Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, the person who connected me to you guys has more opinions on Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know why you're afraid of women. You have to have Angela on the show. I know you guys had her on the show. I know you had her on the show a long-ass time ago, and she was real weird about my favorite movie, Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, I saw that segment, uh, and I don't know what got into her. I assure you she has better (laughs) opinions than that. But uh, but but she's dope. She's got opinions on all of these things, and she's she's about the physical media too. Yeah. She has those large CD books full of DVDs. You know that mm-hmm. the kind that you open it up. Yeah. But when we want to watch a movie, um, she's gonna be like, "Oh, I'll go get it." And in the time that she goes into the next room to get that book, like I've already da- I, like I've opened up Explorer on my Xbox, downloaded it. <laughs> you know what I mean for free, and we're just streaming the movie in like 1080p. Um, before she could even get the disc to put the disc in, let alone load, mm-hmm. um, I, I had a wall full of DVDs, and 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 I wanna, uh, I you know, and I I purchased the the movie tickets when when these books come out that are dope. I wait until they have the the, the big beautiful collections like yeah. you're talking about, and those things sit on my on my uh, shelf for sure. But man, uh, that convenience of being able to oh, be yeah. like. Be like, oh, you went. The one exception was uh, Mallrats because when I downloaded it, it was like a director's cut and it was weird and dumb. Yeah. And like, as much as I love Mallrats, so she was like, no, 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 we're getting my DVD, and she puts her DVD. In. Anyway, uh, that's a shout out to to my girlfriend Angela, uh, and and y'all need to uh, y'all need to have her on the show because her, she's got some opinions too. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, we gotta have you and Angela on the show. Well, so. we wanna we wanna meet your girlfriend. So I think I think we gotta have like a a, a couples show, and oh. I don't know if that's four of us or six of us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I think that's gonna be the way to do it. I mean, because uh, we're really curious. I also think that would be really nice for your audience too. I'm not talking about me and mine. I think we're all mm-hmm. curious about uh, Victor's romance that Victor's got going on. <laughs> well, you know, I like to, you know. Uh, you know, it's largely dependent on her schedule, and you know, I, you know, I like to keep keep things semi, you know, private. Crossover you know. episode. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so, but uh, yeah. This is my collection that's in my home office right now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very organized. Mm-hmm. That's very nice. <laughs> you, you know, I I did my best with that. Very nice. Yeah. You see. Am I, am I, is, is this too much of a, like, I was a parenting thing, but you remember when, like, Carly started showing up on, like, um, I mean, uh, Kat from Victoria started showing up on iCarly, right? Like, that's the crossover episode that everybody wants to see, man. You gotta, you know what I mean? It's the crossover episode, I'm telling you. I will, I, I will say, though, I do, her, his girlfriend is awesome. 
Yeah. She she uh she was with us at uh Comic Con last year. Yep. Yeah, hell of a good hell of a good time. I'm so jealous of your Comic Con experience. I'm like we've had so many dope moments on uh our podcast. We have so many dope like intros, like people lending their voice like willingly, like being like, No, I know your podcast is dope, here's like an intro and and sending it in. There's so many things I'm proud of consistently, but I cannot I cannot top, and we, we interviewed uh, people from Marvel Comics, and mm-hmm. Vita Ayala has been one of our amazing friends. Um, uh, and if you, any of you guys are into nerdcore hip hop, uh, Mega Rand's uh, recurring character. We're trying, yeah, we're trying to get Mega Rand. So is Samus, who actually lives here in Providence now. I had no idea, but Samus, Samus is fucking dope. If you don't know Samus, look Samus up later. Look up her track like Mighty Morphin or something like that. Uh, she based her name on the on the video game uh, Metroid, Metroid. Yeah. Um, and. You know, I Mega Ran introduced me to her, and we were in Boston. And I was like, "Man, I'd love to have you on the show." And she's like, "Oh, it would be great, but uh, I don't. I'm not really from around here." Um, and I was like, "Oh no, I'm me either. I'm in Providence." She was like, "I'm in Providence." I was like, "What?" Uh, she's from Philly, but she's now a professor at Brown. So like this dope nerdcore rapper. Uh, that's not my point. <laughs> that's, not my, that's not my point. Oh, yeah. I, I am so proud. I'm so proud of what my students have been able to do. You know what? I'm gonna go on one more second about that. Yeah. Uh, Aside from the Steambox Versus podcast, and the reason I love to have you guys on, usually as early in the year with a group as I can, is because I'm introducing new groups to podcasting. Mm-hmm. So I'm bringing in, usually I want to bring in, I serve people of color, I serve young people of color in uh, in those communities in Providence, like the community that I'm from or around Rhode Island. So I like to bring you guys in when I'm introducing podcasting because people who've got it together, and this is episode 324? Yep. Yeah. Episode 324? Wow. If you guys got 324 episodes under your belt and you are young and look like them, I think you've got something to offer them. I'm very proud and excited about that. But aside from Steambox Versus, some of those guys came up with a spinoff and said, all right, this is the month of May. So this is our third year where we're doing a separate podcast called Joyful Rebellion, where instead of having a young black or brown podcasters or, or a professional from something that they're interested in, we have uh, young black and brown therapists and mental wellness That's experts so, coming yeah. in. It, man, we every year at some point we end up just having a whole episode of us crying over somebody's death, right? Like, and, mm-hmm. but, but being able to do that openly and outwardly and confront, uh, uh, confront like toxic masculinity and all these other things. And now Angela's group, because she works for Katie Brown Educational Program, so that one's called Joyful Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joyful Rebellion has um, Uncle Uncle Iroh. Is it, am I saying that right? Uncle Iroh from yeah. uh, Avatar. From yeah. Avatar. Uh, he lent us his voice for free. And he has this like dope message where he's like, you're listening to Steambox special presentation, Joyful Rebellion, blah, blah, blah. But then he does like a quote, like a really profound quote from Avatar um, to lead into that. But some other students started uh, uh, another podcast at the other school their flavor was uh love and romance right and these are ninth graders so it's it's icky right like i gotta facilitate but it's also how important is it like how often did we talk about in a healthy like with adults you know what i mean some of the young love stuff and be able to process that stuff and then share it with an audience so they call that podcast uh mangu con salami Right? I think I okay. I came across that <laughs> bunch of Latinos and uh, somebody who lent uh, their voice to this, and it was a whole separate thing. It wasn't the nice favor that the other guys offered. Uh, the other one being Dra- uh, Dragon Ball Z, uh, that announcer. But but for Manguko and Salami, we've got uh, Sasha Banks, the Mandalorian, right? Uh, Mercedes Monet uh, doing the voice for that, and the kids are like, "Yo, I just 
I just came up with that name, Mangu Salami last week, and now uh, the multi-time WWE champion just said that name. She said that name, right? Like, and wow. uh, watching them geek out over that. I'm so proud that they're able to talk about love and romance with professionals from Angie's organi- organization, uh, the Katie Brown Educational Program, mm-hmm. uh, and the other podcast is able to talk with young therapists about uh, why schools, why why they feel depression and anxiety and almost suicidal thoughts sometimes just from going to school, just from the regular act that they're all expected to of going to school. I'm so proud of that. In our regular podcast, when we have people like you on or Mega Ran or Psycho Gorman was my favorite uh, from this year, aside from when you guys came on uh, independently, uh, that director was on and had a dope conversation with them. Uh, I'm super proud of those things. And then you motherfuckers are at Rhode Island Comic Con interviewing all of my favorite wrestlers. And they're not just doing like a fucking quote for you guys. They're not just doing a shout out, but you're interacting with them the whole time. And you're basically the hosts of Rhode Island Comic Con. That shit is wild, man. That shit is wild. I am jealous. <laughs> I am jealous. Well, 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 well I'll, I'll say Carl's the one who was uh, hosting the wrestling panel. I had, uh, he, had he had three panels. All, all of which were awesome. I had two, um, you know, and, and it was it was good too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, was, you was, got you got to do you got Jar Jar Binks to do the voice in front of everybody. Yeah, I got to see. I got to see. Wait, wait. I'm at best. Yeah, yeah. Who showed up in Mandalorian and it was totally weird. I'm so happy for him, but it was a little weird. It was jarring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, thought what? weird season of that show. By the way, he had a fre- he had a fresh fade, and I thought mm-hmm. that was like it just it seemed. He he contempt he was too earthly. He wasn't from a galaxy far, far away. He was from like I still gotta I got I still gotta finish the last episode. I actually I enjoy, I know a lot of people didn't like it and I, I don't want I'm turning into an optimist. What happened what's happening? Stuff I liked a lot of this stuff I also was like Yeah, uh, yeah, you're not wrong. I love Katie Sackoff though. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh <laughs> sorry. he didn't he didn't watch. Did you? I'm 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 super proud of the the stuff that you guys are doing. I'm super jealous. That shit is amazing. What does that feel like? It's it's a it's 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 a it, it feels nice you know it's um it's it's something that like I didn't I didn't seek that I didn't seek out um, I, I'll say that those opportunities were largely through Carl's connection with um uh with the with the organizer organizers of Rhode Island Comic Con and Altered Reality specifically Michael G, uh, G. Francesco um, because I from for me like for me like when it comes to doing this podcast like I'm I largely look at this as as a hobby just something to, something to do something like to you know. I can enjoy at least once a week and not not really think about. So um, and and then Carl like he's he's on the networking end. He's like he's into like creating that web of like networking other podcasts and whatnot. Like if it was just me and the podcast, like I, I you you would have never seen the likes of like Gamer Delphia or or or, or even you guys on on the show. Like it's just me because I'm not I'm not, I don't go out of my way to you know. Well, y'all are so wildly that. different that so, it's it's perfect like that. It's yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. So like. So yeah. So like. Um. So yeah. It, it's still. It's still a, a great feeling to. To even just. Were you. Were you guys panel. nervous? I mean, it's just. I was. <laughs> I. I. Because <laughs> here. Here's a funny thing. Here's a funny thing about me. I have a deep fear of public speaking. Like for some reason, I just do not. You're on like all it. these flyers, I was just talking about. It. <laughs> yeah, I do not like the sound of my voice. Just never did. Says the podcast host. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's just funny how life works. So, um, yeah, I was just, I was just lucky. I, I was just lucky to be blessed with like these opportunities and just happen to be at the right place at the right time 
with the right people. And um, even even uh, the same thing with my uh, with my DJ career. It just happened to just be just just lightning in a bottle. And since last year, that's a story that I, I do enjoy telling, but it's something I will tell off the air. I've told you before. But yeah, it's just something that just, it was just lightning in the bottle. And I just said, you know what? I have this opportunity like right here and I'm just going to go with it. Like, I don't even have any like necessary set goals. I'm just saying, you know what? Sky's the limit with this. Let it take me. Like, let me just see where I can go with it and then just keep going. So. When when Vita Ayala was on, um, this was before they were writing some X-Men stuff and before they were writing some Miles stuff. And uh, Vita is um, Afro-Latinx uh, from the Bronx and was talking about uh, queer identity with my students. And one of the things that just resonated so hard, but I've always known it, was that representation is important, Absolutely. especially because I'm such a light-skinned Puerto Rican, right? Like the fact that the fact that I'm white passing to people of color, but definitely not to white people. Oh my you, you know what I mean? <laughs> but that's that's the you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's it's it just makes it like a hyper real world. And that's why when I talk about Joyful Rebellion, Manguko and Salami and all these other things, it's so important that I have young therapists on who are black and brown, who I have, when I have professionals on showing them podcasting, it's people who look like them where they can see it. That's why when we talked about Isaiah, I was talking about, I was crying. That's why yeah. when, when I cried the first seven times I saw Spider-Verse, right? I got to see it a month early in Australia. Um, the, first seven, a, the first seven times. is a, a, a long story I won't even get into, but uh, I uh, I definitely saw it when it then came out back here in the US, and then I bootlegged it as soon as I could, and now having watched it seven times, and having cried seven times, because I still have that toxic masculinity I grew up with. Mm -hmm. uh, I put it on for my students, we did a screening after school, it was still fresh in theaters, probably like a week and a half later, um, and I'm like, I. I, you got this. You're not gonna cry. You're not gonna cry. You got your students there. You got, I had like 40 kids in the room. I bought all these pizzas. I'm like, you're not gonna cry. So there was this one moment where I was like, nope, you gonna cry, because uh, the sunflower comes on and all the kids are like, ooh. I'm like, <laughs> god damn it, god damn it. But man, I I talk about this a lot because uh, this was important to me. Not only the representation being important thing, but the journal did a thing of the top five like hot podcasts in Rhode Island last year. And we've got the number one podcast in education in, in the world, which is a very small pond. We're a big fish in a small pond. In a normal pond, we ain't shit. We're not even a speck, right? Next to Mark Marin and other people, right? right. But in education, that's our space. Like we, we are literally the kings. Uh, and, and we were omitted from that list. And you guys are hosting Comic-Con and you're not on that list. And Chris Revel's on the list. Yeah. And, no disrespect to Chris Revels. Great guy. Chris Revels on the list. Uh, Bill Bartholomew is dope. Bill Bartholomew is dope. He's a folk singer. He has like a um, a political show. Uh, and I did a, a a small show with him a couple years back. He's a dope guy. I really I I love him. Uh, and Chris is dope. And uh, three other people. And what did they all have in common? Your podcast in Rhode Island. Yep. And they're all white. And they're all white. And they're all white. Because white is right. And what we haven't seen is we haven't seen that kind of recognition from a source as reliable as Projo 
for the work that you guys are doing. And I know I'm talking about it on your own podcast so your people already know. But I'm saying I find that fucking dope. I find that exceptionally dope that you guys are able to take it to those heights. And I'm really proud of the work that you're doing. And I hope that we get to see the day in our lifetime where people recognize the work and the impact that you guys have had in the community. The one thing that we didn't get from Isaiah was the impact, right? Like we talked about how, how his story is so dope and, and meaningful uh, and yet it lacked impact. And I think the same thing is happening in this community and I'm just hoping to see that for you guys too. I've hogged this microphone, so I'm gonna back, <laughs> back, this. So I'm back it's, up. It's really dope to hear you talk about how you've kind of blended the uh, the media, this media education and podcasting and media creation and for your students um, because like uh, Comics to Kids was accidental. Carl knows the story. My boys and I, 2020, we were just like, all right, we, he, uh, my boy Jordan was like, I just want to get back. I was like, we can go give comic books to kids. It's like, all right, cool. We went to a, we went to the uh, community center off Chalkstone. Event was a hit. Like fifty some odd kids gave a, a bunch of comics. Met a bunch of the kids. It was awesome. Left feeling on top of the world. Like this is gonna be great. And then COVID hit. <laughs> And then we kind of tried afterwards to kind of, all right, let's try it at the YMCA. Let's try to get back in the community centers. Didn't work. All right, we'll do it on our own. Let's go to the libraries now. And, you know, hit or miss. And now we're kind of in the space where we do this thing at the libraries and we do this thing at Crossroads where it's like we're hitting these two audiences of people who, um, who and we're, you know, whether it's three kids or 20, it's a feeling that, these kids are being seen for something that they enjoy that their parents very much don't have access to. Yeah. yeah. Like, even something as simple as, like, art classes. You know, it's one of those, that, like, we run a, we start every program, like, all right, draw a picture, make up a character, make up a story for that character, tell us about their problems, so whatever. Little kids get really into it, the older kids get competitive. Um, and a parent said to me after one program, like, all I know is sports. I don't know how to get them into this stuff. And what are their options? RISD, arm and a leg. You could go out of state for it, which similar. And you realize how valuable this kind of stuff is to people who are in these communities. Mm. And so even though we haven't gotten huge audiences yet, and we may never get massive audiences from uh, comics kids. I'm grateful to see that there are other people who look like me who are doing shit like this and doing dope shit. Because that's honestly one of the things I don't engage with a lot of the a lot of the um, a lot of the conventions and stuff. Because it's like you know what you're getting when you walk mm-hmm. in. You know who's running the show. Um, but like, I know I'm gonna hit up uh, Fan Expo Boston this year. Anyone's welcome to join me. I usually just run through those spots. Um, And I would like to see more Rhode Islanders kind of like on front street with this. I like doing what I do because I can kind of be behind the scenes. I'm a super introvert, which I don't have the public speaking thing. Like I'm a (laughs) communications major. It just comes out of me. But um, the, the ability to kind of grow something around this top, around these topics and have really organic and fun conversations and encourage younger people to do the same. I think that's really valuable. Why did why did you do it? Why did why did you 
why did you say hey i want to i want to give back i want to and we're going to give comic books and and the comic books kind of like i i feel like i understand that part right because there's a lot of our culture and then we're going to that's our perspective so that's the, the our first person view so you know bnbc just started because my boy jordan was like hey y'all like manga and comics y'all want to grab pizza and beer sometimes we were like yeah fuck it let's do it <laughs> and that's literally how it started yep and then like other pieces grew out of that like we tried podcasting a little while and we don't like but we mostly just became this kind of crew of friends that were into this thing right and then the decision like jordan so my buddy jordan uh went to brown professional runner uh he comes from kind of comes from st louis and, and illinoisans like you know was in jack and jill and was like has been involved in like the auxiliary children's group for members of sororities like it's those kind of like he comes from that and i just come from kind of just being in the community and being willing to give back and he's like yeah you know i kind of miss that piece of my life like can we do something here and the comic book thing was something that he and i had in common just as friends it was like well that's something we can do we can go give comic books to kids all kids like this stuff we can go read to them and it was just this thing that we got our other homies behind because we all like this thing and it's we all like different elements of it jordan's an anime and manga guy i'm i'm someone who kind of bounces around mm-hmm. on uh my buddy chase he's into a little bit of everything and we got a buddy chip who's just getting into manga now but was a comics guy for years my buddy jordan he's uh jordan seabury he went I know, to i know jordan seabury uh, i was suspicious when you said chase too uh, chase baptista yeah yeah that's, that's, my brother. <laughs> that's my brother that's my man so, so it's like when all these guys who are like into these this thing yeah we connect over this idea that we like this they like it too we can share that with them so and the people that you're simple. mentioning the one thing I know about them is that they're mission driven as well yeah and it wasn't even something that was mission driven for me because I mean this is gonna sound horrible but I like giving back for the same reason that most of the women I've dated in my life have been like nurses teachers social workers because what do I do for a living I sell shit like that's what I do that's yeah. my thing right I can sell water to a whale and sometimes doing that kind of work makes you feel really empty inside yeah it's like because at the end of the day if you're working you know the jewelry counter at Macy's you're like I know damn well you don't need this watch man but it's my job to make sure you leave here with it so I'm gonna use my gift to gab I'm gonna get you out of mm-hmm. here with this Movado and if you come back with it, it's what it is. But today, you'll leave with it. Mm-hmm. So when I get to go, what's the part that sounds bad? You're talking about, you're talking about living life how through the hustle and the, and the rat race that humans have to live life through. And then you're talking about on the other hand, I I want to find this time to give back. What's the part of that that sounds bad? It, it, I don't want it to sound like I'm like shit talking my career because I do love what I do. Yep. But there is a piece of me that's very passionate about this stuff yeah this thing that and i hesitate because i don't want to make it a job because whenever you make something like your job job it takes some of the joy out of it for you Mm -hmm. and 
what I'm always seeking, and I talked to my godchild about this too, uh, my godchild's mother rather, I was like, what I want him to experience is the same feeling I had the first time I saw Dragon Ball on TV, where mind blown. The same for, the same feeling I had the first time I heard. I hope it wasn't Protection a filler Head. episode where the dude's running up the stairs for the whole. No, no, no. <laughs> it was uh first time I heard Protect Your Neck. Mm. It's something that hits you and your mind is blown. The world is different now. And when you're when you engage with this stuff, people don't get why people are so into it. You always have that feeling because you're you're addicted to seeing dope shit. Like that's why I love fighting games. I like being able to press buttons and make someone do some cool shit on screen. I suck at them, but I love them. And you love it. <laughs> so I want the kids in my community who look like me, who don't often get to see characters that look like them, whose parents may or may not have a car to get them to a comic book store in Cranston, a comic book store in Walt, like any of those places, who may not have, you know, it's infuriating when I go on like TikTok, I see people showing off their collections. I'm like, bro, that's not a hard one. You just went to Barnes and Noble, mommy and daddy. Like me and Carl talked about like the hustle of being a comic book fan in Providence yeah. back in the day. It's like I want to give them that. Save lunch money, Excalibur. Yeah. I'm old enough to know Excalibur, which is a comic book store that was next to Geller's, right? <laughs> uh, what's that? Washington Street. Yeah. Uh, Excalibur was a store, and I remember, I remember, because I, I would not have lunch despite being a fat boy right now. I would not have lunch because I saved every single dime of lunch money to go into that store. If it wasn't, if I wasn't buying GI Joes from a trophy shop on Broad Street, I was going to Excalibur, and I remember the minute that I bought the silent episode of that, uh, the silent issue of that G.I. Joe comic with uh, not a word was spoken. It was just Snake Eyes on the cover doing a badass mission. And that was the grime. The grime was, how am I going to hustle and get those and get comic books? Stuff. Yeah. So like when I came, like Laughing Shield has been a great partner. They, you know, they donate our books to us. And like Carl has given us some, and I have, I've given some for my personal collection. And we go and we give these to these kids and they're so excited to yeah. engage with us. They're so excited to just be able to tell a story. Because what happens when you're in school? Your teachers are telling you that this is not worth reading. These this isn't storytelling. Your parents are kind of like, oh, I don't know about all this. It's not academic, so they're just yeah, exactly. So part of our mission is like breaking that stigma of like, look, I read a bunch of books last year. They weren't fiction, but I get my fiction fix from my comics. Yeah. Because it's, it's still storytelling. What's the difference? Mm -hmm. It's just a different kind of Genre. taking in. Yeah. Right? It's So that's kind of where all that came from. It was just a bunch of guys who were like, we want to do a thing. Oh, I don't think we just keep doing the thing. I don't think you're done. No, we're not I even think, I don't think you're done. I don't, yeah, I don't we think just, <laughs> We just filed or... It's with my lawyer right now, um, our nonprofit paperwork, so we can become official official. Uh, I could probably help with that uh, because that process takes so long. Um, and I, I've developed, I've figured out some shortcuts, but this is what I saw in you guys. This is what I'm seeing right now. When I saw the gift that you guys have with children, right? And I got to see it for the first time with you recently. And I was kind of surprised, right? Because I know that you got that professor thing, and I know that. Um, I know that you're you've got the arts, right? Mm -hmm. This dude came in and was so fucking loose with the kids, right? And so so 
like I kind of knew what I was gonna get with Carl, but when I got that with you too, like I, w I was pleasantly surprised with you because I thought you were gonna come in and share your knowledge, but you actually came in and related to students in a really nice way. They remember you guys, uh, and I can show you messages where this is this is proven more than they remember. I had the last dragon on the podcast. I had Bruce motherfucking <laughs> I Leroy love this story. <laughs> on the podcast. The glow. That's so dope. <laughs> he was the most boring guest we've ever had. He was the most boring guest we've ever had. The dude who I loved the most from my childhood was painfully boring. And they asked me about Carl and Victor all the time. You know what I'm saying? What I want to say, and I, I know I know we've taken turns. I know we wanted to talk about wrestling. I know we wanted to talk about hip hop. I, I want to- Next like, time. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear all of these things, but I need you guys to know now because where this conversation is that uh, after you came on the podcast and after you came on the podcast, I was like, man, I know, I know that I know that Victor's out in the schools. I know Victor works, right? I know he has a job, but man, I'm at capacity with with what I can do. And I don't trust a lot of people to be able to come in and continue and be mission driven without calling out sick all the time and doing all this bullshit. And I was like, man, I could put Carl regularly in front of kids. I could put Victor regularly in front of kids to do this podcasting thing and, and we could multiply it. And it doesn't have to be podcasting, right? So what's the dream? What is it? Like, where do you take this comic book thing? Where do you pivot? For, for me, it's whatever my students are passionate about. This came because a student wanted to learn DJing, which I was a DJ, and I just, had too many students so we recorded a conversation they learned to edit it a student loves uh doctor who these motherfuckers made the tardis if you go to alvarez high school it's there right now it's a full replica if it was in the tv show you wouldn't see any difference That's banging. Mm. yeah and then when we were done with the tardis well what's it going to do now so they made it a give a book take a book anytime you could just walk in there and find whatever book you want we teamed up with books our wings we're doing like those kind of things so what can i do and this was because 10 years ago a white lady told me a real fucked up white racist piece of shit lady and, uh, terry adelman was her name uh sue codex prime uh podcast uh don't sue seenbot so uh she, much. <laughs> some, somebody thought i was the executive director of uh that organization when we were in a meeting and to that point, I never even thought that like I could be like I'm this Puerto Rican dude from private. I can't be an executive. Like it never occurred to me yeah. that I could do something like that. Mm -hmm. And then she said a hoodie could never be an executive director of an organization like this. And I was like, what the fuck is that? I'm not even wearing a hoodie today. I know I wear a lot of hoodies. Mm -hmm. I'm like, like is she did like old time 1930s, like oh you hoodlum, you know what I mean, like that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Like what's going on? Out of spite, I started this organization ten years ago in May. 2013, I announced it at USA Skates. I had people come out. We raised the money so that we could put out uh, the 501c3 that you need for the nonprofit. Mm. And actually, years later, we finally got it because I finally found a shortcut, and it was so it was so ridiculous. The hoops and hurdles, which I'd be happy to talk to you about off awesome. the air. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm, where I'm going with where I'm going with this is. Uh, everything that the students want to do, because I think about like when I was a high schooler, right? Mm -hmm. And how do I how do I appeal to all of these different students? Wh whatever you want to do, we're mm. going to make a project out of. Next year, I'm going full AI because AI. If you've seen the AI explosion, AI is doing everything. It exploded in the past uh, in the past mm. month, 
and you can do anything with AI. Are you talking about uh, are you talking about not learning some of the skills and math behind some of the stuff? No, we're going to do that. How do we do this? How do we have a conversation, right? Well, that's when we bring in professionals to do this stuff, like the therapists that I talk about. Uh, how do they do a love and romance one? So um, we let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. Uh, I I started getting into board games, and I'm like, man, I'm spending way too much money on board games. And this uh, school wanted me to start another program, excuse me. The school wanted me to start another program, and I'm like, man, I'm at capacity. I don't know what I could do. I guess I could come out one more day, but that'll have me every day, two times at different schools. Um, all right, but can we do like a – this program is going to be called Game Theory. And uh, I'm going to go in, and I'm going to play board game. Every day I'm playing a different board game uh, with this school, which sounds like it's just fun. It's doing what you want to do, yeah. right? Like it's comic books, it's comic books. Forget yeah. the board games. In this case, it's board games. So in the meantime, uh, I made a friend at RISD who comes in and does stuff. And then for her project, because of this, she turned it into like her senior project was at RISD is this board game that she's making where she's testing it with these students. And every week I'm bringing in a different board game where we're playing a board game, but then discussing it. And when we do Ready, Set, Bet, I literally go into ChatGPT and say, ChatGPT, uh, show me a lesson plan for gambling for uh, high schoolers. And ChatGPT will come up with a whole thing. I'll pick up a couple of those lesson points. The students are learning something, but we're also playing Feed the Kraken just today. You know what I'm saying? We're playing some brand new board game today, and that's funding like my board game addiction. And, and the students, I just took for the third time a group of 10 people to Japan, where last time we went to study at Studio Ghibli, uh, and we've done so many other things. We uh, Hiroshima, when you were talking earlier about... Um, uh, about uh, pre-World War II uh, and the experiences that we've had in Hiroshima, like they're over it, which is weird because I'm not over it. <laughs> I feel horrible about what not my people did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and and this time uh, we had a, a amazing experience at uh, Mount Fuji and I got to ride Mario Kart. These are based on dreams of whether it's me, my students, whatever. And that's the direction that when you're not doing your marketing and salesmanship, that's the direction you're going. And what I'm telling you is it's impactful to the community. When Carl and Victor come on, it's impactful to those young people every single time. When you put a comic book in their hands, that's one way that might seem like a small thing to you at the moment, but it's so big because they have so little in their lives. Like, follow that. Follow that. And I know, and tell Chase I said that I want you guys to follow, do more, and I will support it. And, you know, it's also like, so I went to the Met. Um, and while I have Wait, my you feelings, met class one? No. What? The Met uh, class 2006. Damn, you baby. Thanks for ages. Bro, I was <laughs> working at the Met in 2006. What is this? Wait. Uh, I, was at, uh, I was at the Shepherd Building. I was downtown. Oh, uh, yeah. So I started at the Shepherd Building my freshman year, and then they, when uh, Public Street uh, finally opened, we were over there, and then they finally moved us into our official building that January. Met students got it different. They don't got it as hard as some of the other it's, students. It's weird. Like It depends on your advisor, though. If you got a shitty advisor, you're going to have a real it, horrible time. I'll say this. My experience at the Met was, you know, because when I went to Rick, the question that kept coming up, where did you go to high school? <laughs> where did you go to middle school? Because So I had gone to parochial school for middle yeah. school, so I was already some years ahead. Yeah. So I'm at the Met. And I already have kind of this drive. Yeah. Because you grow up in a low middle class family in Providence, you'll have a certain experience. And then 
I grew up basically on the Brown University campus. Yeah. So my mentors and everything was always Brown students. That's all I saw. So going to college was never an option for me. But when I finally got, when I was in high school, what the Met taught me was how to extract learning mm-hmm. from different things and how to view my learning and how to, and that's why I can kind of apply what I do to a bunch of different areas now. And I think that's the world that we need to kind of be taking children in. Mm-hmm. And whereas, what can you get out of a comic book that's not served you on a silver platter? Because people don't, like, my mother is a baby boomer. In her mind, when I said I was studying communications, she was like, to do what? You're going to go be a writer? Mm. Maybe. Mm. And I've done that. I've done all of those things. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, I'm a believer that you can get, that all of these things contribute to learning. That students can benefit from all of these things in different ways. Victor and Carl, I... I believe. I'm sorry to, you know. I believe that everybody at this table, and I, I do not believe that everybody. Period. I think so many teachers need to step the hell away. So many, so many. I'm not saying I hate teachers. I'm saying there are so many amongst the teachers. There's so many people that were harmful to me and had a negative impact in me uh, teaching, and I still see that across the board. While I see some teachers that are heroes to me, but what I'm saying is. Everybody at this table has some level of social responsibility because all of you have that gift. I've seen it. I've Mm. seen it. I've just heard it in this introduction in my first time meeting this dude. Mm. I've seen it from everybody at this table. There's some level of social responsibility. Uh, What does does Peter Parker say? With great Great power comes great great responsibility. responsibility. I believe it. And yeah, and uh, yeah, and as we're in a two hour five minute mark uh, we'll <laughs> let's wrap up uh, heading for third and heading for home as Roy Wood Jr. says on Beyond the Scenes um, I will say like the work that we do like like it's it's I will say like the work y'all do is, is incredibly enormously important and, and valuable to the community and to and to young youths of color and it's, it's, a, it's a long road to travel but sometimes you gotta walk hard down life's rocky road and for some walking <laughs> hard is, is their creed Mm-hmm. Their code, you know, the wrong as as kid, the wrong kid. The wrong kid died. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. I, yeah, I was waiting for a Dewey Cox reference. <laughs> so good, so good. But uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's uh, ten thirty one p.m. here uh, for those watching the uh, uh, Facebook Live. But uh, once again, uh, gentlemen, uh, Roberto, Sean, thank you so much for uh, coming back to the show. We will definitely have y'all again. We'll talk oh, wrestling. Absolutely. We'll talk. Hip hop. I need to be in that hip hop conversation. Same. Yes, we gotta have. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, we. we, we you know that, what? That'd be one way I'd have to like bring Chase because me and Chase go back and forth about this stuff. All the people, time. people gonna yeah. be angry at me though in that hip hop conversation. <laughs> Matter of fact, perhaps I'll come up with another hip hop tournament. I'll, 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 I'll share. Oh, the, I have somebody. I have somebody else who want, who wants in. I'm fighting. Okay. For they listened to that last one. They was like, all right, I need in. I'm fighting. Big shout outs to. Uh, mm-hmm. Big shout out to Slack Boogie at No Politics. Yeah. Okay. I'm fighting for Black Thought. Somebody's gonna have to like bring weaponry. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But uh but yeah, uh as we wrap up, uh Roberto, Sean, tell the good people where they can find y'all. What y'all got going on? Is... Man, our social media is at Steambox RI. Um and if you follow like like I talk a lot of shit and I know I hijacked earlier and talked about all about the stuff that we're doing, but man, a picture's worth uh, more words than I could use to express it on this podcast. Follow that Instagram at Steambox RI, 
and you will see uh, kids having a great time in Japan. You will see kids building a TARDIS, robots, AI, sending things to outer space. It's been such an amazing journey because I followed the dreams that you started scratching the surface on, bro. Uh, and and thank you guys for appearing on our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find Black Nerd Book Club at our website, blacknerdbookclub401.com. And you can find me, uh, what is my Twitter handle now? Sean Stampede on Twitter. Uh, and Sean the Stampede on TikTok and Atomic Comics on YouTube, uh, trying to put together more content on a regular basis, mostly just dropping a list of every comic that comes out every week because it's pretty simple to throw together. And uh, I'm looking forward to that hip-hop discussion because, you know, I want to smoke with everybody. (laughs) (laughs) This motherfucker brought analytics. So that's harder than weaponry. I don't know what I can do. Uh, I don't know. You know what's funny? For Like, I'm old school with it. Like, I got into rap in 2005. So... I was out, like, I got into it heavy. I'm like, I'm going to go put up posters for motherfuckers. I'm going to be out here. You were, like, 17. or yeah. s- Where were, what, were you under a rock? I was not allowed to listen to rap. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Yes. Strict. strict I, I can't, I'm not, gonna, I'm not coming <laughs> at your mama on this uh, Mother's Day weekend. I'm not doing right. it. <laughs> strict Cape Verde and mama. All right. I was like, I, I want peace. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and, yeah. uh. And you can find our Codex Prime podcast on all your favorite social media uh, platforms, uh, Instagram at Codex Prime Podcast, Twitter at Codex Prime Cast. All of our episodes available in audio format on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find podcasts, search for Codex Prime and you'll find us. Yes, and you can catch us uh, at the uh, Let's Chat Social Club. Um at uh, revive at Lost Valley Pizza, Fifty Sims Ave, where Vic and I will be the special guests. So we're looking forward to seeing you all come up, come out to that. Um, I'm also there's also going to be the uh, Rhode Island Midnight Basketball League coming back. That's the uh, other one I saw. Yes, I'll be, I'll be with Kobe DJing, Dennis and crew. Yes, I'll be uh, DJing the open the uh, in person signups where you can still sign up. Uh, all you got to do is just go to uh, rimbl.net. To get all your information, what else I got going on? Um, D- follow him at DJ Baby Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Not at Mr. Bird Ten Twenty Seven. I'll be posting everything that's going on. It's just uh, so much right now, and I have a child to get home to. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And once again, thank y'all for watching and listening. As always, we will catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later. Later.